You're listening to Mentally Sound here on Space FM. I just figured that it made sense to have a little bit of respect now that it's 2019. Just maybe show a little bit of love and respect oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for everyone around you. Severely lacking in the last couple of years, I feel. <laughs> yeah, let's bring it back. Yeah, um, me and my partner are always saying, welcome to Mentally Sound, obviously in Space FM. Um, my name's Stephen, this is, and that was, you just heard Ricky. Um, yeah, I always talk to my partner in particular about what's the number one thing in any relationship that makes more sense than, like, I think is even more important than love. And I remember... Um, a guy, uh, a lecturer I listened to who said exactly the, those words. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember. Um, Sam, Sam, what's his name? Sam Harris. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he said that and I couldn't agree more. <coughs> I think 
respect is far more valuable than love because like even if love like goes away because that is always a possibility in any relationship you know, or friendship or whatever it is because I do think love is in friendship as well or family mm-hmm. is if you respect the person enough you, mm-hmm. you would still treat them the right way even when love goes away mm-hmm. um, so yeah I think that's an appropriate starting point to welcome everyone to our first show in 2019 hope you've had a good festive season mm-hmm. um, you didn't get too bladdered as they say here in the northeast of England um, what's the other words mortal um, or immortal <laughs> As they sometimes say, immortal is in you know, zombie life. Rat hyphenated yeah. something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> something faced. <laughs> Yeah, how to get around F- uh, um, how to get around Ofcom regulations here uh, without getting told off. Um, but anyway, so yeah, we hope you didn't go too crazy uh, over the festive season and obviously spent some time, as we just talked about, with loved ones um, and got uh, and even no matter what age you are, that Santa got you everything you desired. Or, uh, but but more importantly, um, you just spent some love and hugs with some people who actually you know deserved it and all that sort of stuff. So um, yeah. Um, exciting times I'm really excited to be back and I thought it would be an appropriate question to ask how about you Ricky are you excited to be back um, starting things rolling again yeah, for absolutely. 2019 absolutely can't wait can't yeah. wait yeah. it feels good it, it feels does. good to be back um, I know like it was the 28th so um, people who missed us last time might have quite generally did but it's on um, Geek Apocalypse's um podcast page but it'll be released on mentally sounds one over the weekend um so you could have had a chance to listen to that which i'm sure people have um so we did an end of yes yeah the end of yes summary is already up as well our christmas one was up a few days after (coughs) christmas which was excellent uh, before christmas i should say um i meant two days after we Mm -hmm. broadcasted i should have said um so yeah so i really hope i i really do think we did a really really good job but there was a couple of technical issues which seemed to be averted ricky can um, here are people now which is excellent because we had a problem with the headphones so that seems to be rectified so all is well and good in the <laughs> land of mentally soundum um, so yeah um, exciting times indeed um, so appropriate thing to ask I guess because um, oh yeah well actually before I should say is if you want to get in touch with us you can do so at, at underscore mentally sound which is on the twitter I have that um, literally up as we as we um as I, as we are broadcasting, so I can I can read them out or read them literally as I'm on air. So please do. Um, and also you can follow. You know, uh, Facebook. We have Mentally Sound uh, Facebook page, which has all our podcast links from the previous episodes that are up. And we're pretty much uh, apart from, like I say, the New Year's one that needs to be released on Mentally Sound's mm-hmm. uh, podcast page. We are pretty much up to date on podcasts, which is a nice feeling because I was always behind on them for various reasons. I think on the Instagram, um, I posted uh, the festive pics and stuff. Somewhere. Yeah, no, I, I did see it. Yeah, I saw it. Actually. Because I do, I do find myself floating around Instagram every now and again just to see what some of my friends are up to because yeah. uh, and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, yeah. So um, a lot to talk about, obviously, because obviously we can talk about the festive season. We maybe me and Ricky will talk about uh, particularly. But you know, we, we like to have a free flowing conversation. But I'm just saying some rough ideas of what we'll talk about. will probably be about the Xmas period. Obviously, this is the mental health show. I should say as well, um, which is always a disclaimer at the beginning, just to say we talk about mental health. Um, we'll talk about taboo subjects, you know, um, some potentially um, hard to listen uh, in the sense of, the, in, you know, being taboo subjects, that'll come across that way. But we try and have an op- open, honest, frank conversation on this show. We've been around for a very good few years now. Um, so if you listen to this regularly, you get the gist of that we'll talk about pretty much anything that comes up in a respectful way. Hence, I think that uh, original mm. song at the beginning was mm. very appropriate. 
Um, so just before me and uh, Ricky sort of catch up and talk about the festive <coughs> season and uh, New Year plans maybe and all that kind of thing, um, the subject matter as we're going to talk about, uh, I actually finally got around to watching I, Daniel Blake, which we promoted on this mm-hmm. show a number of times. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to talk about that because I watched it two nights ago. It was on BBC Two, two Thursday. I, I think it was something like Thursday. Saturday night. Well, it was on Saturday night. Oh, okay. Was but it? you saw an iPlayer, didn't you? So yeah, I, uh, my my partner yeah. very very kindly uh, recorded <coughs> recorded it for me, so I didn't watch mm-hmm. an iPlayer. We watched it on our uh, box. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, yeah, it was so it was really good that it was on. I um, you know got a lot to talk about. I thought it was, basically in a nutshell, I thought it was excellent. We'll talk about that later. Um, Parkinson's because Billy Connolly uh, made in Scotland was broadcast over the Christmas season. I haven't a chance to watch that yet. I know Ricky has, and I know the gist of it because I know about the back sort of backlash he got. Uh, in relation to talk about Parkinson's and um, you know the other ailments that he has uh, currently, Billy Connolly. So we're going to talk about that because it's obviously an important issue, um, and we have we have um, some interesting views on that. Um, and we also are potentially going to record a video in support of Northumberland Northumberland Domestic Abuse Services, who have been on the show. They were on the show early December, maybe yeah, November, yeah. early December, I think it was, um, talking about the fact that they're running out of money um, and they're doing a you know sort of um, a, a crowdfunding essentially. Um, donation rally, uh, which which they think they're going to run out of money. I think it was March, is what they said. Mm-hmm. So you know we're obviously going to keep mentioning that they do a fantastic service for those who didn't listen to any of them shows. They basically, um, you know, domestic abuse service for anyone who suffers domestic abuse. If you go to a GP and say that you're suffering domestic mm-hmm. abuse, you very often get referred to them. They cover a huge area, um, you know, and and do a, 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 rid- a ridiculously good service. And unfortunately, due to you know stupid budget cuts, which is a regular theme that we talk about on this show. Um, that no longer is going to happen so they've asked us to help out any way we can so we're going to do that and in terms of guests we have Holly uh, who is a previous guest who's from the St. Camillus group um, talking about a new cafe opening in Prudhoe which is interesting so she's been on the show Nikki's coming back who we've got a good rapport with from Back to Balance um, they're going to talk about the wellness centre obviously that they do she's been on the show before just a little bit of a catch up um, I've got some interesting questions to ask about uh, ask her actually so um, she's going to potentially be a more regular um, yeah We've got now a working relationship with them. So yeah, they've yeah, been very nice to us. With them, yeah. And um, they they seem very happy with what we do, which is very flattering as well. So and their clients um, have heard of our show. I know, really which is very nice. Yeah, we had a nice uh, we had a nice dinner with them um, not too long ago, and it was very nice. Um, Melissa and uh, Richard, who are co-founders of the Grenfell Hope Project, set up in the immediate aftermath of the Grenfell Tower fire. Which obviously anyone in the UK, um, outside the UK, might not know this, but it was big news at the time. Obviously, in relation to the Grenfell Tower fire that killed a number of people and destroyed loads of flats and um you know all the, the and basically the fact that very little has been done since then um so that's an obviously going to be a very very um a very very hard-hitting interesting interview um i did watch the grenfell documentary um which was very powerful as well i encourage people to listen to that um or watch that i should say um and gail curry who is a port and artist with a background in social care she's the founder of happy Pal- happy planet in Whitley Bay, which is an organisation for creative opportunities for members of the community and workshops and all that kind of thing, which sounds excellent. I'm a good, I'm a big poet fan, so um, yeah, she's going to be joining us um, around about twenty to two. So that be, and also we're going to do mental health news probably sometime before one, mm. um, because we have Nikki coming in at one p.m. Um, so that's your show for the next two hours. We're going to be here till two p.m. Um, so a very jam-packed show again. Kudos to Ricky because he's the one who books the guests. So another another jam-packed edition. So. Yeah, I guess the best thing to start with then is how has your festive season been, Mr. Ricky? And you said you had like a bit of a weird morning. Do you want to talk about that? Or? 
Oh, is that an off-air topic? Hey, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like, no, it's an off-air topic, okay, yeah. Okay, I'll quickly mention it, yeah. given it's topical, and then we'll get on to New yeah. Year. Um, right, so... Uh, so yeah, buckle, buckle in, folks. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's not a race, because <coughs> on, on the morning when we do a show, obviously, I'm, I'm running around, I'm, I'm a bit anxious, I've got things to organise, and, you know, schedules and all that stuff. <laughs> and um, I don't know about you, but, like, last night before I went to bed, I noticed that um, Andy Murray was trending. Ah, yes. But I never, I never clicked on as to what the issue was because there was a lot of political stuff sort of being being said, and, and I was like kind of into that. And then I woke up this morning and and uh, saw the video. I don't know if you've seen it, Steve. I have he, seen it. Yes. Where he gave an emotional um, interview, saying that he, it's likely they will be retiring very soon after uh-huh. after is it the Australian Open? Well, the <coughs> well apparently just and then run back to you is yeah. so I the context is because I watched I read I read a whole article about it because I thought wow what's going on because I saw mm-hmm. the same thing of a picture of him crying his eyes out and I went okay what's that about mm-hmm. um. And it was a it was the press conference before the Australian Open was starting, mm-hmm. saying that he's done everything he can to get here because that hip injury he had, where even he had that when he won Wimbledon, that it's basically got worse. Um, he's tried his best to get back to at some sort of playing level. He can still play to a level, but a level he's not satisfied with, mm-hmm. and he doesn't think um, the only solution he has is to continue playing on with the amount of pain that he's in, which he said is too much that he mm-hmm. can't deal with it. Or get an operation where he could, theoretically, because people have come back to some sort of standard, um, and it increases, like, your quality of life. So, like, essentially, I think he's sort of saying, well, he said it was like a hip graft or something, but he not says a, that not it... Not a replacement. No, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. He said it was some sort of, like, hip... Uh, that, that's all. That, that's all I know. Um, but be, but yeah, it, and he says that like it's it's dangerous for a sportsman because yeah. it might ruin the career even more. But he yeah. says he might retire anyway. So he's probably basically saying I think that's his last resort is he's going to do that. But most likely it'll mean that it'll give him a good quality of life, but be unable to be an elite athlete anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really his option because okay. he said he tried everything else yeah, uh, to get there. Yeah. So he said. So he recently got emotional is because they asked him about all that sort of stuff. Because he was quite frank, he actually walked out of the yeah. walked out of the press conference, came back, mm-hmm. and then got emotional because then they said, you know, he he said before he walked off that he was going to retire after Wimbledon. That was his goal: reach Wimbledon, retire, mm-hmm. no matter what happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's only thirty-one, which is very relatively young for a tennis player. But um, and yeah, so he but he said then someone says, if based on what you're saying, because it's really really difficult. Do you think you can even make Wimbledon? And he's like, as i.e., is Australian Open going to be your last tournament yeah. um, or major? And he says that's distinctly possible, and that's what got him kind of even more emotional because he was like realizing that his tennis career might. Well, be it's over. on that actual point you just made um, there, which so there is why, which is why what happened this morning happened because. Mm. Um, I mean, I, 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 I love the guy. I think he's he's tremendous. I think he's an athlete that we've been waiting for with fire in his belly, and and uh, you know he's not shy. He's not shy in regards to his emotions, and that's the point I was highlighting because um, Five Live put on on the, your call. Um, so what do you think of uh, Andy Murray? And I and I made those points. I'm not a huge tennis fan, is probably what you are. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. I, I prefer the 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 sort of Borg and McEnroe era type thing. You know, yeah. To play. Um, but I, I just made out the the the, the, the other, I came out from another angle as to why I love why why I think he's amazing a great role model, particularly on men's health sort of men's mental health point of view that you know it's important that we show emotions and I, and I refer specifically because I think this was a turning point 
Um, you might correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it was his uh, 2012, his first Wimbledon final, and he lost to Federer, didn't he? And that's yes. when he cried quite very openly. And you mentioned the word backlash there because, you know, in regards to Billy Connolly, but I remember the backlash he got for that because there were certain people who were saying, I don't want my sportsmen to be, you know, whingers and blubberers. And I just thought, my God. And can't that, win, can you? Yeah, and yeah. I just thought, because to me, when I saw that, I mean, I cried with him and I just thought, good on you, man. Yeah, because the, the, people took the make out of the fact that he's like, his voice kind of croaked yeah. and like, because he started to go like, I think he was you like... You know that bit when he goes yeah, quite high he, and then yeah, he kind of yeah, like... Yeah, you know, and he starts crying because he goes yeah. like, I really wanted this and then yeah. he starts crying and like, I mean, yeah, no one really likes seeing anyone cry. I hate this idea that men can't cry. I mean, that's mm-hmm. basically, I think what you're getting at is the... Yeah. Um, and the, the reason I said you can't win is because athletes get... If they're not emotional enough, they say they don't care about it enough. Mm. And then when they're too emotional, they go, "Oh God, I don't." It's not like I, the one. I, the one I remember in that in that period of time, a lot of people went. It was so un-British of him. And then he, t- like, I remember he actually like joked, "Well, it doesn't matter because I'm Scottish." <laughs> um, and because it was so un-English. Um, yeah. the he, he gave an interview to Tim Henman yeah. and he asked him what, who are you going to support in the World Cup and he said anyone but England yeah. <laughs> in a jokingly manner I know people say that seriously you know, yeah. and then people they just want to pick anything you know just to what criticize the, him it's the joke of he's British when he's winning he's Scottish yeah, when he's exactly. losing <laughs> <laughs> but I refer <laughs> similar reactions to like when Gaza cried in the World Cup and, and you know people he got revered didn't he and I know Gaza's had his issues since, but you know it's it it's, it seems to be in a different context. But no, to me he's he's a he's a he's a fantastic role model, and and more power to him. And I, and I hope if it is his retirement, I wish him a happy retirement. I do hope that a miracle comes along and means you can you can play. But um, I, th- I think he was being honest. I, th- I didn't think he wanted hoodwink. There was there was a lot of people in an announcement in the tennis world. I mean, as I just flicked through this as I was yeah. getting on the way here, yeah. and there was people who were saying that like tennis is going to be a lot worse without him. And I actually yeah. do think. I agree. Because I mean, he's not. He's been successful, and you know, no one should. No one's going to take that away from him, particularly considering he's English, and we well, you know hadn't won Wimbledon since like sixty yeah. years ago or whatever it was. Um, and you know, the the reason I say that is because. It's not just the titles he's won, it's what you were just referring to, is that him as a person, a person he's yeah. a very, like, um, he, he very much stick to his ground, and I, I, I think as well, because Haley appreciates it's about him, I mean, she's not a tennis fan at all, as far as I know, um, but she was mentioning, like, he's a good role model for, for women as well, and just yeah. because of the fact that, you know, when Serena was getting slack, and he was very much saying, like, do you, you think, know... Do you think that, athletes are, in a way, trained to contain or keep away the emotions? And I, I refer to a specific example. It's not a program I like or watch, but, you know, the I'm a Celebrity thing. When it was on last yeah. year, a guy called Ian Lee cried, and then the, the boxer, Amir Khan... Uh, said that that men shouldn't cry because you shouldn't show weakness, and mm. I, and I was wondering, is he talking from a sporting point of view? Probably, or being that he's a boxer. If yeah. anyone doesn't know who Amir Khan is, he's a he's a um, you know uh, I don't know, he's like lightweight featherweight boxer or something. I don't know what weight he is, but um, and I think that it's trained out of them. Then, yes, the, I think degree. so. Yeah. Because if you think about boxing, you're not allowed to show any weakness in the ring, and also because they're all like you know they're followed when they announce a fight when they're in the, the big time in particular. You know, you're followed everywhere. There's documentaries about you, and um, there's all that sort of stuff and um so you've got to like build up a persona of that things aren't bothering you i mean look at um uh, there was another example of this and i wouldn't say for any certain that he's not um i really respected him for this but um 
who's the guy? Um, the Everton guy. Everton guy that um, David Hay fought. I forget his name now. Oh, um, um, yeah, uh, Bello, Tony, Tony Bello. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, so he, he, when he beat David Hay, mm. he cried his eyes out. Yeah, yeah. Because he'd lost, he'd lost like one of his best friends or something. Or it was his brother, yeah, brother-in-law. Yeah, brother-in-law he that's it. Off a balcony yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and he said that he never mentioned it. And he yeah. says like, you know, I've been like emotion, like my family's been torn apart. But he also cried after he lost his thing. last fight as well. When yeah. he that was probably his last. Fight. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but, but yeah, is yeah, tennis so called. different? Because I think it, I think in most sports it's like if you see a weakness in in the opponent, you're you're t- you're trying to exploit it or you know capitalize on it to some degree. Yeah. I think in it's different for individual sports, but I think in team sports, you it's like safety in numbers, isn't it? You uh, if if you're if you if you if you if you show a sign of weakness at some stage, you have other players around you, your teammates yep. to to like cover for you in a way. Mm-hmm. But in, in an individual sport like like a snooker or boxing, tennis, you can't do that. You, you're well, on your own. You're I mean, you do. I mean, they, that's probably why they rely so much on their like background team to sort of help them because now they get like psychologists and yeah. all sorts of stuff to be members of their team to kind of just keep them in peak condition. Because yeah, but once, but I know your point. Your point is once they get out there, it's them versus the other repo- yeah. the other person, which yeah. can be very very daunting. So just um, just uh, just quickly, yeah, so yeah, so when I, I tweeted in because Five Live were doing that, and they asked me to come on and, and talk about my point that I made. Great. So I well, you see, great. I waited half an hour on the phone. I didn't get through. <laughs> oh, I right. said, oh, oh wait, and I was listening to the show via the phone, mm-hmm. kind of like prepare myself to say, it, knowing that I had a show to get to as well, and you know, and uh, <laughs> it went by, and I just got the saying at the end. Oh, sorry, Ricky. Uh, you know, couldn't get the year. Yeah. Couldn't get the year. Huh? No, that sucks. I've had that happen before. Yeah. You're like, I've got gone, a, gone there many times. I've got a really sense. good point to make, and you're not getting to me. How dare you? So I Daniel Blake. So we quickly sit. Yeah, why not? Um, I was thinking, yeah, we should make time to see that. So because I want to ask you a few questions actually, because I was, um, you know, because as you as I told you, my partner had seen it and thought it was amazing. This and this was like a long time ago. Was when so she saw it in the cinema. Did she must have done, yeah, because she did. She had already seen it. So um, uh, and um, so yeah, so um, so. This is something we've been promoting on, on Mentally Sound for quite some time. Because we've had the Western um, Food Bank a yes. couple of times and talked uh-huh. about it, yeah. And so I guess to uh, we'll pro- I guess we'll provide the basic context because then I want to ask you, mm-hmm. um, you know, because uh, it was Ken Roach, Ken, Ken Roach, Roach, Ken yeah. Roach, yeah, um, who who did it. So um, and I, and I know Ricky's a big fan of his. So mm-hmm. anywho, so the whole premise of um, I Daniel Blake is a guy called da- Daniel Blake who has a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, um, it applies for employment support allowance because basically, he goes to his doctor and physiotherapist, and blah blah blah, and they all say you can't work, you have a heart problem, you need to take, you need to rest, you're not able to work. Um, he then goes to the job centre, you know, he does, does no, sorry, he goes to the assessment first for employment support allowance. I think it's one of my um, favourite opening scenes to a film because it starts out having his work capability. Yes. Assessment while he's in bed, I think. Uh-huh. Getting assessed, yeah. Yeah, and also not only that, um, I like that they did the the credits, and so I thought that was quite powerful that yeah. the credits were playing yeah. and you could hear it in the background yeah, exactly. because exactly. it's again not about the. And then he goes like, and I just love, um, you know, Daniel Blake's reaction to a lot of it because he's all like, <laughs> "What is that supposed to mean? Can we not talk about me heart? Why am I talking about me bum? Yeah. You know, like, um, that's basically what he says a lot of the time because it's like saying, "Can you go to the toilet, okay?" and all that sort of stuff and. Mm. 
um, you know, can you raise your arms above your head? And I was like, I can he do it. He basically gets trapped in a system where, yeah. on the one hand, he's been taught to rest and look after himself, but on the other hand, to, to get his benefits, he's, he has to... He has to work. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's not allowed benefits because he has to work, even though he's been told by every qualified person yeah. that he can't work. And that should be more than enough. What I was particularly um, happy about, what, you know, it got shown finally on terrestrial TV mainstream and it was trending and, and it got the whole nation talking about it again. Because quite often a film comes out and people talk about it and it gets swept under the carpet. Mm-hmm. And now that it's been shown on, on the BBC over the, over the last weekend, um, it's great. Yeah, and I think, so like, so I just provided a little bit of the context, and I think it's probably appropriate that we don't say what ends up happening, but yeah. basically, in a nutshell, it's about Daniel Brake's process of trying to, you know, as Ricky just said, you know, he keeps getting stopped, and, you know, his money gets blocked, and, you know, because he keeps not, you know, they keep saying that he's not, um, he's not uh, being cooperative, and all that mm-hmm. sort of thing, and he gets frustrated, and then he meets a family um, who... Uh, he basically defends inside the job centre because she's getting her money frozen as well. Mm-hmm. So he defends her on his on her like he said. Well, on she was being penalised because she arrived late, but yeah. it, was, it wasn't their fault. Yeah, because um, she was from London. <coughs> she got lost, and basically they said, "Well, the rules are the rules," which is ridiculous because. You know, if they did check that out and realise that it was legitimately just, you know, you, you kind of make mistakes with these people. That's the thing that it comes across as. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can make a million mistakes and they don't get count. They don't get um, reprimanded. It's yeah. it's it's awful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's people lives we're talking about really. And you know, and if you're five minutes late because of a legitimate reason, then you know, I mean, because they're, they're torn everyone with the same brush, which isn't fair. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know that was basically Daniel Bake's point in that scene where he basically says, you know, you know that lass is lost. Just you need to help understand and where things are blah de blah blah I think Holly's here by the way um, so just let her in just let her sit down um, but yeah so anyway so it's a really fantastic it's a really fantastic documentary um, I re- it's really really good uh, not a documentary a, f- a film I should say um, but yeah so I wanted to ask you Ricky so then we'll, then we'll take a break so then Holly can uh, so we can start talking to Holly is um we're just talking about I, Daniel Blake, just to, just to let you know. Um, so, um, yeah, so I wanted to ask, because my partner was asking me this, and I never like wanted to Wikipedia and ask that I'll talk about it on the show, because... Uh-huh. Um, so how much of what's in the film is real? Obviously, Dan- Daniel Blake was a person, mm-hmm. right? I'm assuming that's right, yeah. that it was a real story. Well, but what what is there anything not true in it for dramatic effect, no, or was it based on um, principle? I mean, I've, I've, I've volunteered down the, the local food bank for, for, for various different um, organisations, and to me it's very real. The best way to describe it, <coughs> in a sense, almost like, uh, do you remember the Killed by My Debt thing? Yes. The, yeah. It's very much like that. Obviously, the, the portrayal of Jeremy, sorry, um, Jerome, Jerome is obviously yeah. very real. Mm-hmm. But I, I think what I, Daniel Blake, he epitomises a, a lot of people who are in that system, so he's like a... Like the, I don't know what you say, like a, a compilation of a lot of people who have gone through the system. Mm-hmm. And that's why he made a lot of impact. That's why a lot of people are talking about it. And that's why you saw on, on social media trending, we are I, Daniel Blake. I am I, Daniel Blake because it's happened to them. Yeah. And, you know, same tragic ending as well. Even though, well, I don't want to give it away, but, um, yeah, people have perished because of that system. Yeah, and also the fact that, like, I think one of the best scenes is when he um, he 
uh, graffitis the yeah. job centre and yeah. basically like says, I, Daniel Blake, want my appeal and I'm not moving yet until yeah. I do. And then that, that sort of old guy goes, well done, mate. And yeah. everyone's cheering outside a bar. Yeah. And I just think it's really, it is, it is like, because I mean, apparently when it came out, me partner was telling me this, and I, and I do remember this when we were talking about it, the backlash from the government was that it wasn't a, an accurate portrayal. Mm. Yeah, I remember uh, the reason it really resonated with me and really reinforced that like doing this show mm-hmm. and all the other mental health stuff that I do mm-hmm. really does matter um, and because you see that example and go that as far as I'm concerned whoever I've spoken to my own yeah. situation with that is that exactly is how it works and I think um, with what's going on currently with the universal credit rollout I think I think I, you know I Daniel Blake's going to continue within that sort of narrative I'd also mm-hmm. say as well that in, in regards to the reaction when it was on uh, one particular government minister uh, was was saying um, you do realise it's it's not a documentary it is actually a film, and then the backlash he got and quite deservedly was saying and they were they were just shoving loads of examples in his face of like why this is true and it was yeah. based on a real yeah. story based on yeah. a true story because yeah. um um my partner was quite shocked because I actually <laughs> thought it was just like a made up character to portray mm-hmm. what was going wrong yeah. and I went no it was actually a genuine person mm-hmm. um which is why um yeah it's a really fantastic documentary and a on I, I checked this before I came round is that it's actually available till the 4th of February mm-hmm. um, so I would really recommend on you know on yeah. iPlay after th- it's on 30 days obviously so mm-hmm. um, so yeah it must have came out the 4th so um, mm-hmm. I really recommend people check it out while it's mm-hmm. there because mm-hmm. it's a fantastic example of you know um, you know because apparently as well I was reading an article and this is the last thing I say so we need to pause for ads and then we'll talk to Holly is um, is yeah that um, they were talking about universal credit yesterday in I think it was in Parliament saying that basically they're going to redo it yes. <laughs> which i was like really when they were saying like just stick stick with it it's going to work out this morning um, as well actually oh has it really um, yeah because so i thought last night that they were talking of, about a group of single mothers who mm. uh, the researchers suggest that a lot of single mums have been hit the hardest with this and i'm not surprised to hear that they've won yeah. a court order just to 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 say it to dem- i think it's to demand the government look at it again Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, they've won their appeal. Common sense prevails, I, f- I often find. Just shows pe- people power. And I think the other sense of that film is what a community can do when they get together. Yeah. You know, it's powerful. Yeah, and I think that's what um, I think is really the nutshell of I, Daniel Blake, is not just the power of the individual and the power of collective responsibility. Yeah. I think that's the that's a good way of summarising. So we're going to take a break now. Um, as I said, we've got Nikki coming later in the show from Back to Balance. We've got Melissa and Richard, co-founders of the Grenfell Hope Project about the Grenfell Fires, which is a fantastic opportunity to talk to them about the amazing work that they're doing and gail curry who's a potent artist who's um got a a, a thing called happy planet which is an organization to help for creative opportunities so and then we're going to be joined in about five minutes time after the ads with holly who is waiting patiently from the same Camillus group who's been on about a couple of years ago i think it was now yeah. but um yeah so we'll talk to her about that just after these messages on mentally sound right here on spice fm 98.8 fm for the community by the community spice fm 98.8 fm Spice FM will be celebrating Mohammed Rafi's birthday once again on Christmas Eve this year from 11 to 2. Join the oldest gold host Masood with a selection of Rafi's greatest hits. Welcome to your community announcement answer machine. 
to broadcast your community announcement on Spice FM free of charge, call 0191273988. Select option 3 and record your message. No more messages. Sick of the same old radio sound. <sighs> then you need vibrant radio. Spice up your life. Spice FM, 98.8 FM.
Hello everybody, welcome back to Mentally Sound, and I thought it was inappropriate because again we had like this this theme about like when I played Little Respect at the beginning, that was Little Lies by Fleetwood Mac, because <laughs> um, we were talking about the government and universal credit. Badoom. And that's it for Mentally Sound on today's show. <laughs> we'll end on a high. <laughs> it's not going to get any funnier than that, so um, we're done everyone. Yeah. Been a good it's good for you. It's been a good run. It's been a good run. I'm retiring. Um, it's a bit like whenever someone goes, great question, and I just want to go, I'll retire as an interviewer now. Someone said, I, I finally got her in a good question, and it took us 10 years. This is our, uh, this is our, <laughs> this is our Andy Murray moment. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I'm here to announce that... Uh, <laughs> Oh no, it sounds like we're taking the mic out of him, we're really not. Mm. Um, you know, because we were talking about him, uh, we talked about him earlier, and just how far he might be retiring. Um, but yeah, welcome back to Mentally Sound. As we mentioned at the beginning, if you're just tuning in, this is a mental health show, so we might be talking about something that, um, you know, might be, you know, a hard, hard to hear, or whatever it may be, or a taboo subject, but obviously we have an open, honest, frank conversation. If you'd like to get in touch with us, with at underscore mentally sound, you can hear, um, I can read it right next to me. Um, so if you've got any questions for our next guest, or any of the guests that are upcoming, a question for me or Ricky because we talk openly about our mental health issues um, and obviously let like you just see uh, it's not all about mental health it's not a de- definition of who we are it's just that we want you know it, it, it's part of who we are so it's like we don't ignore it but we don't like sort of spend all time talking about it because um, I know I do get people every now and again saying that like you don't uh, sometimes when I listen back to them as well I go we don't actually talk about mental health that much but then I'm like the the the, the I think the the whole point is to show that we are capable people regardless of our mental health. It's like we say we've got mental health, but it doesn't define who we are. I think that's kind of the important point. But anyway, um, Holly, um, welcome back. Hello, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing very good. How was your um, Christmas and New Year and all that kind of stuff? I w- it was brilliant. It was quiet this year. It was our quietest one. We didn't have family over this year. So um, okay. it was just the kids. So my kids re- range in age from 19 to 7. Wow. Three. Mm-hmm. I think this is the oldest one's last Christmas at home. Fingers crossed. I just took a big <laughs> flat this morning. I've stopped sending them links to flats you might like, and I actually drove them to one to look at it this morning. Um, so yeah, it was it was quiet. Uh, You're awfully keen, ma'am. <laughs> you need to be gone. <laughs> I, think, I think for everyone's mental health, you needs to be gone. Yeah. So yeah. If you didn't get the hint before, he gets it now. Oh, he definitely gets it now. I'm sending them links to flats. Like, these are great. Are these for me? Like, yeah, yes. Please know yours. You need to. Go. Oh look! The po- oh look! I- I've paid for the deposit. Uh, <laughs> and he has the keys. That's literally what has happened. This morning. <laughs> He's on his way out. Yeah, so, I think that was his last Christmas at home. Oh, it was really bless. good. It was. Um, it was. It was a quieter one than we usually have. Mm-hmm. You can't have quiet Christmases with kids. Mm-hmm. It's got the whole lie about Santa and. Yeah. You know, yeah. You've got to constantly trying to hide presents and then. You, because you've Sorry, kid, if any kids are listening, we apologise. No, <laughs> if any yeah. kids are listening, you should be at school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, very good. Yeah, very good. so we're getting presents out, but you, that's the thing mums do, uh, you forget where you've put them. So yes. I'm still occasionally giving uh, people gifts. <laughs> Look, Santa accidentally left this in the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. So how about you, the kids? Did you go the kids have a good time? Yeah, they, they did. Um, mm-hmm. And we let the, my daughter's nine. She had her first new year of staying up, because we don't... I oh, think right. New Year on New Year's Day. Okay. Um, I tell you, I tell you why. I, I think New Year's puts a lot of people pressure on people. That yeah. A lot of things that you've had that didn't quite go your way that yeah. year yeah. will not follow you in the next year, and that's a fallacy. It's just another day. Yeah, of course, it is. And yeah. I, I think sometimes you can compartmentalize it. If there's a one-off event and say, "I'll be pleased that year's gone," <laughs> yeah, that was the year that happened. But for some people, it's quite frightening waking up exactly. on the first exactly. of January 
not knowing what's ahead. Yeah. Knowing something's coming. Yeah. It, so we don't celebrate New Year. We celebrate on New Year's Day. Yeah. Oh, I'm so Good pleased. I'm really pleased you said that because uh, we talked about this on our New Year's edition that we did. Like we we did a show on the 28th of December, and um, I talked about because my partner and I's anniversary is New Year's Eve. Right. So we it, like although like I mean we dated before then, but we agreed to sort of go out on New Year's Eve. So we decided because we now have a we have a little girl currently. Um, that we said to our sister as a favour, could you please take her the day before? Um, because we'll just go out on the Sunday instead of the Monday, because Monday it was New Year's Eve this year. Um, because we just thought exactly like you, why should we? I mean, it's not only you celebrating the end of a New Year for us, but celebrating a, a, a really good relationship. And we we're like, well, why don't we just celebrate it like the day before? It's made no real difference because, like, we go to the same restaurant and it's three times as much. Um, I, I just I don't get the logic, and like, I, I'm so pleased you said that because I think we talked about this in the last one was that just people do stuff they won't normally do and it yeah. um i i used to love the phrase the comedian nick hancock said this once and he's like um the, the problem with new year's is it's enforced fun yeah I um agree. because the the issue is that you feel like you're missing out on something mm-hmm. if you don't do what everyone else mm-hmm. is doing and i mean all i did because we had all our celebrations the day before so very similar to you is me and my partner had a dominoes and looked after our little girl and i was like that in watch walking dead I, that, that to me was a very acceptable night I had a great time and I was like I don't need to be out and doing what other people are doing so yeah I think that's the issue well I've um, got my park run mm. I set up a park run in, in Twitter mm-hmm. yep. based on some running stuff I was doing and we have a park run on New Year's Day and we normally get an average of 260 60 people every mm-hmm. Saturday well no the most we've ever had is 260 we get an average of 160 great um, and New Year's day is no, normally no mm. different to any other day mm-hmm. and um, one of the reasons he invited me on is you know I've set up a, a cafe yes. which employs people with learning disabilities mm-hmm. and the cafe <clears throat> is in the car park where the park run is I was made I aware see. that the cafe was going to come for tender okay. when I was setting up the car park Okay. so I've got this cafe that's only been open one month mm-hmm. 50% of the workforce on New Year's Day have learning disabilities mm-hmm. and have only worked there for three weeks Mm-hmm. Everybody there is new. So I thought, I asked them to open because we get quite good business from Parkrun. And the manager said, well, how, how many people will we expect today, Holly? And I went, oh, well, it's right. normally about the same as usual, you know, maybe 100, 160. So I've got less staff than I usually have on a Saturday. I've got two less because the buses aren't running. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think you should worry. <laughs> so we always have an emergency <laughs> vehicle at Parkrun. So if somebody collapses on the course, you can drive to them with a defib. It's a lot of responsibility. And I was kind of stood behind the van and one of my friends said, Holly, are you, look how many people are coming. Are you excited? I swear to God, I nearly died. You know, Lord of the Rings, where they're all <laughs> And these people were swarming. We had, we had 400. <laughs> so 140 more than we than we've ever had before and i had children volunteering so i'm trying to supplement them with adults to get people sorted and halfway through i thought oh my goodness the poor cafe the queue went round the door and one of the other volunteers said, are, are we going to go in and do the results? I'm like, I daren't go in in case the manager hands in a note. So that was New Year's morning. It was absolutely yeah. crazy. I think they took about £400 So just to give, give, give context, so you were on previously because you did something with the vault over in Gateshead. Yeah, so yeah. that's now been renamed. That's the Riversview Hotel. That was in your last so we appearance. Have the hotel and there. then going back a couple, two, three months, there I was online and someone sent a link. So I think it was the Hexham Current. Yeah, yeah? The Hexham Current, yeah. And, and there I saw you standing next to this what was like an old derelict building yeah 
I know there's Holly. Yeah. We've got to get her back and talk about this. Yeah. So when you, so now that you've explained the links with the park run, yeah. did you literally just sort of see the building there and thinking, I can make good use of this? Yeah, I was actually off work, ill right. with my mental health okay. when I discovered the cafe. So right. wow. I had... Um, uh, the job I had at the time it just wasn't a good fit mm. for me. It, it it made me unwell, and that's the thing. Work right. can be so good for your mental health, yeah. but if you've got the wrong job or you're with the wrong people, it can be catastrophic. Mm. And I ended up, I work, as most people know, I've got volunteer jobs. I work very hard. I ended up off work for four months. Mm-hmm. I couldn't right. face going in, and eventually I had to just say, do you know what, actually, I can't go back to that job. Yes. So while I was off work, I can't do nothing. I've always got mm-hmm. to do something. And we were setting up we were in the process of setting up the, the park run and some of that started spilling over while mm-hmm. I was off work. So I started walking around the riverside and running mm-hmm. around there a lot when I was ill and that's where the cafe was. So I'd in met Prud- in Prud- in Prud- yeah. So I'd actually met the council, they maintained the land mm-hmm. and I sort of fell in love with this building and I think when I was unwell I had this fixation on, on the building. I'm gonna I'm not gonna go back and, and work a nine to five for someone. Yeah. I'm gonna set up a cafe Ignoring the fact I can't cook. <laughs> like, the big flaw in my plan was I knew nothing about running a cafe, but I was quite fixated on it. And when I started working for John and Steve, um, who I work for now, who are lovely, who own these businesses that give all these opportunities to people with disabilities, they, they said, come and work for us. And I said, no, no, I'm, I'm going to set up a cafe. And I, well, no, don't be daft because you can't cook. You come and work for us. And if the council put the cafe up the tender, we'll let you tender for it as part mm. of our all the, the other things like we the do. Like the things they do, yeah. So, yeah, when the... There's County Council. Northumberland County Council. Okay. So they own the building and they've got yeah. offices upstairs. So when it came up for tender, we, we were one of the mm-hmm. businesses that put in and, and our tender got mm-hmm. chosen, thankfully. Mm-hmm. So Brilliant. we now operate the, the cafe. It operates as Tyne Riverside Cafe, trains people who learn disabilities and autism mm-hmm. Monday to Friday during the day. And we've employed, as in, in paid work, five people who've been training with us at the hotel who have learned disabilities and autism. Great. We started the new year with a job. So I guess that I feel like the, considering you, you started talking about this, I feel like the elephant in the room type question is, because I, I, we've had people talking about autism before. I know people in my life who've got autism, so I know rough, have a rough idea of what it is and all that kind of thing. But I guess the real, I guess, devil's advocate question, or maybe just the discriminatory aspect, let's just talk about it now, is that what do you think the reason is why people feel that these types of people with learning disabilities are not employable and what's did what have you been doing to sort of help that process and what do you think the distinction is or is it just a simple case of they don't understand it or it's it is a discriminatory thing like what do you think it is based on your experiences well the thing is you don't come across a lot of people who are learning disabilities when you're growing up because the way the education system set up is if you have a, a educational need it's not so much now but you would always go to a special needs school yeah i never met someone with down syndrome until i was in my 30s yes exactly yeah and just because we'd never we'd never crossed paths we'd never bumped into each other separated so when yeah. i first met someone with down syndrome because i knew nothing about the disability i didn't mm-hmm. know how much that person could understand and there's, there's a saying around autism of if you've met one person with autism you've met one person with autism everyone's different and yeah, i've exactly. submerged yeah. in disability for Eight, eight years now I've worked in this field it doesn't faze me I know people with disabilities are people yeah. <laughs> I've met some people without disabilities mm-hmm. who I wouldn't give them a job because they wouldn't turn up and they don't want to work and the problem is with disability I think people can still give awful excuses for not giving someone with a disability a job so I've, we go into businesses and, and say 
can you employ someone? And I've stopped saying with a disability. You would never go into a business and say, would you employ someone? Um, I'm asking the question on their behalf because they can't ask you because they are gay or they are black. Yeah. Or they they're from exactly, a di- yeah. they have a different religious belief to you. You don't. We don't need to because yeah. we understand mm-hmm. that that there's no reason why anyone can't mm-hmm. do a job based mm-hmm. on um, you know, a, a box we put their in, individuality or yeah. Yeah. so. Oh, I don't know if anyone with a learning disability could work here. We don't know if we've got the insurance or the risk assessments, and that's just rubbish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so do you think there's a lot of red, red tape and bureaucracy then when it comes there to... There shouldn't be, because all you're doing is employing a person. But yeah. when they say things like, you know, um, for example, you know, a, fr- a good friend of mine who sadly isn't isn't here anymore, but um, she she got diagnosed with epilepsy, mm-hmm. and she was a trained in biochemistry. She yeah. had all the qualifications, but to a lot of places she was deemed a, a hazard, health and safety hazard. And I think she it's fear. Yeah. I mean, if you've, seen, if you've seen somebody have an epileptic okay. f- event... Mm-hmm. Um, because we don't use, I don't think we use the word for any other words, always changing. But mm-hmm. we call, we say an event. If somebody has an event or an episode, mm-hmm. it's quite frightening. And mm-hmm. you have to, if, if you haven't seen it before, you, you're suddenly thrust into a situation where you're not comfortable and you don't yeah. know what you're doing and you don't want to hurt someone mm-hmm. and you don't want to say the wrong thing. So we avoid things that worry us or frighten yeah. us. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, my I only work with one person. I wanted him to come in, but he won't because he won't speak. Um, I work <laughs> with one person in the office um, when I'm in. And mm-hmm. he was one of our trainees, and he has um, Asperger's. Mm-hmm. And he didn't speak for the first year. Now he speaks all the time. And he thinks he's funny. <laughs> uh, and he is. He's funnier than me, but I'm not telling him that. Uh, <laughs> and I don't even... At, at first, when we started working together, it was a little bit awkward, because he's got his quirks, but I've got my quirks. Uh-huh. Um, and now I don't even notice. And I'm filling out forms for, you know, we've, we won the Quality Award last year. We won it the year before as mm-hmm. well. You've got to fill in a monitor and a phone saying how many people in your workplace have a disability. I don't even notice anymore because I'm comfortable with yeah. it. And that's the thing because we're not around it. We're not comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. And I th- I'm hoping that places like us, what I don't want to do is give employers an excuse and, and have them say, oh, yeah, it's really good that people with disabilities have jobs, but they belong somewhere like the Rivers Hotel or the Tyne Riverside Cafe or one of our... Yeah, you don't want to be different yeah, because, because it, yeah, it adds fuel to the flame. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Workhouses, yeah. 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 The special people go in the special place, yes. and that is mm-hmm. not true. But mm-hmm. by having somewhere like us and people come in and they're getting their coffee made by somebody who has a disability and then eventually they don't notice their coffee's being made by somebody who has a disability, they mm-hmm. notice their coffee's being made by Niall and they... They mm-hmm. see him every time they come in, and mm-hmm. he serves them, and they realise actually there's no, there's a fear that I think it's fear. It's yeah. discrimination, but I think a lot of discrimination isn't based on fear. Well, do you think also there's a little bit of ignorance involved in it too? Because I mean, fear is usually by lack of information, which is an ignorant, an ignorant yeah. characteristic most of the time. I'm trying to give yeah. people the benefit of the doubt yeah. because yeah, I, yeah, of I course, see yeah. the most discrimination. Of course, yeah. I haven't been able to watch I Daniel Blake yet. Okay. I find it very difficult because. This is my job. This is what I'm submersed in doing. And I have to p- constantly be optimistic and positive. And yeah. We are making a difference. We are getting somewhere. And yeah. when I watch something like that, I don't need to see it because I see it every single day. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I feel That's that I'm working. Um, so I tend to escape if I'm going to watch <laughs> um, a movie. Yeah. Um, it's funny you say this. Yeah, go um, on. When you mentioned before that you didn't meet someone with Down syndrome to your 30s, yeah. my experience was... Um, I was at uh, North Tyneside College back in the 90s, you know. Um, I'm much older than I look. But um, it's like uh, <laughs> when I was at Art College. But um, we actually integrated a lot of Down syndrome um, people within, like, courses and things. They mingled with us. 
And I'm just wondering, is that normal? Has that become normalised? Do you see more of that now? Or is there still a bit of a segregation thing going on? So when my son was diagnosed, my eldest has autism. I think if he was diagnosed now, they'd say it was Asperger's. But even then, so he was diagnosed age three, so that would be 2002. Mm. And even then, we didn't have the correct information. So I remember the paediatrician telling me it wasn't um, it, it wasn't passed on through families. It wasn't mm. genetic. But actually, we know now, you are more likely to have an autistic child if there's autism in the family. And there's a lot of yeah. things we know now that we didn't right. know then. Mm-hmm. And his school wanted him to go to a special school and I had to fight. I had to fight so hard that the one of the educational psychologists agreed with me and he said, let them keep him back a year. See so a delay in decision, decision for a year until we can get all the assessments in place. And they were so desperate to put him in a, a special needs school and actually went on to get really good stats and really good GCSEs and he's mm-hmm. got a full-time job that he's had for over a year so now he's able to get his own flat. And I think what we're better at these days because there's le- because there's less money to go around as well, that we start being a bit more clever when we assess people and say, well, let's get the right thing. But I think with some conditions like Down syndrome, it's a disability you wear on your sleeve because everyone can see that you've got it yes. before you open your mouth. Mm-hmm. And I know from, I've met lots of people now with Down syndrome and some of them um, have done, I, I know a girl called Lisa Kelly, she's she actually, she's a teacher in Gateshead and she's sort of awareness trained around Down syndrome. She has her teaching certificate. Mm-hmm. She went to college and trained mm-hmm. to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. So I think what they do now is the the, the education the people who decide who gets to go where will actually look and say what is the child's needs, how far can this child go, and try and get mm-hmm. the right fit. And we're still not getting it right, but it's better than it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think you see a lot. I I've seen a lot more children with disabilities in mainstream school. Correct. And children are very accepting of things. Like my nephew has. So I know it definitely runs in families. My nephew is autistic, mm-hmm. and he's in mainstream school. Mm-hmm. And it would be such a pain, because he wants everything his own way, because of his autism. And we know that. The other kids will just see a child who always wants his own way, and mm-hmm. they're so accommodating, because they know he's different. They don't need to know how he's different mm-hmm. and why he's different. They just know he is. And <coughs> I know children can be very cruel to each other sometimes, but actually... I, I find a lot, most of the time, children are very kind. Yeah, I do think, I, I always think that, you know, it's like a, a sort of child's innocence is that yeah. you, I actually think like, you know, the discriminatory aspect very often comes from like their parents and, and yeah. if they, you know, if they, they'll, they'll showcase something where it's like, um, they'll see a discriminatory aspect to something and go, well, it's learned behavior, basically. Um, I think that happens more that's often exactly than anything because, and if they yeah. see anything that's, different or it's not something they see every day they're curious aren't they it's not them being mean or cruel they're just curious and they ask questions as to why yeah why what's going on and we should reward them with honesty and and my children are used to disability because they've visited me at work a lot and they've seen people who who are in you know from just being a little bit different speaking speaking a little bit differently even Mm. their brother like my my eldest speak you know we'd say things and their nephew to seeing people in chairs who have got a very short life expectancy mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. on all speech and, and they re- my kids realise how lucky they are Yeah, but I think you know looking at when children are mean I've never met a happy bully if right. a child bullies it's usually because they're a deeply unhappy child yes yeah we've got things going in the background absolutely mm-hmm. it's, project- it's, it's projecting isn't it yeah basically you know. yeah. ask this question what was it like then because trans- I understand it was a 19th century old building wasn't it the uh, the cafe was, right? yeah. So, so it's how did how did how did that happen from that to a cafe? It had already been a cafe. It's been a oh few really? different things. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 the history society have got some pictures up in the. It, there's an information room as right. you go in, 
and apparently it was a co-op store at one point uh-huh. and it had lots um there was things to do with the river yeah and then it was I remember going there as a child and it was a changing facility, a sports facility. There was a canoe club in there. Okay, but it right. was, a, in its last incarnation, it was mm. a cafe and um, the Active Northumberland had it. Right. The charity, and then when it got flooded, they decided it wasn't worth opening it again. That's why it was derelict for so long. To be honest, there was more involvement about local authorities. And I, I hope my landlord's listening. I don't want to offend them. Local <laughs> authorities, it takes ages to get anything turned around. Yeah. The insurance companies are bad enough. Then you've got a local authority dealing with an insurance company, and I think it just took them so long mm. to agree what was going in the building. And then when the building was done, the tendering process took ages. I right. just can't. Th- <laughs> you must feel incredibly uh, reward. It must be an incredibly rewarding feeling because basically you you had this vision. You looked at this building yeah. for many times, and you, you went up to all the, all the people, you know, the big cheeses, and said, "Look." Yeah. I've got an idea for this place, and then to suddenly to, to to see it happen in that way. It was really frightening when we put in the tender as well, because and I, I've just resigned from post as a town councillor, but I'm a very um, firm believer in councils being transparent mm-hmm. and fair. Yeah, it's probably it's a rubbish councillor. Um, <laughs> there was a procurement process for this cafe, and mm-hmm. I was delighted there was a procurement process because I think the person who got it should be the right person for the mm-hmm. community and if it wasn't yeah. for us I would want the right people in there but it was so nerve-wracking to wait and see if I got it because I'd visualised what it could be and it could make yeah. all these opportunities and it could be a hub for park run and <coughs> all these people that come in doing the running and, and cycling. I was on holiday um, and we were actually camping in Germany and I had my laptop with me in case they asked me for any further information to make sure we did <laughs> So I was logging into my laptop in Germany <laughs> sending accounts and stuff. Right. But it was quite... So did you present brilliant. like a lot of like flash drawings and what all that stuff? No, or? it's all... Oh, my job... I wish my job was that exciting. I do a lot of business cases and tenders. It's nearly all writing. Right. Now, <laughs> if you ever got a union <clears throat> an assignment... Yeah, and you, you can't. You're struggling to get your words counted and get the words out your head onto paper. <laughs> About twenty percent of my job is sitting in front of a computer, screaming yeah, and what, what am I writing here? <laughs> yeah, it was like that. Yeah, I've got to say, like, I think um, you've got me thinking, and I think that's a fantastic point you made about because um, I, I I talk about this with my partner all the time because my uh, my daughter's only seven weeks old, but I mean, like, we always talk about like, um, and we talked about this the other day, and I said, oh, like. Because she said something which which I thought was fascinating. Because she was all like, "I'm not sure I would expose her to this." And I, and I think what you said is a really fantastically powerful point. Of it's a bit like a lot of people go, "I don't want to um, showcase people." It, see, 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 letting them see bad things, and I think the difference is, which I think is sort of what I'm sort of paraphrasing what you said, is that instead of saying it's bad things, it's different things. Yeah. And I think we should exp- different is good. Yeah. Um, because I just think if you put them in a smaller and smaller box yeah. and don't expose them to different things, yeah. then they're not going to understand it later in life. So you're not giving them the tools to go, you know. Because I always talk about, like, for example, and to make this a morbid thing, but it's a bit like. It's a bit like I remember, because even because I think people are more afraid of like how much it affects them at the time, yeah. rather than what they learn later. Yeah. Because the example I come to in my life is I always think about this when I was about seven. My uncle was dying of cancer, and I remember that my mom and my dad had a conversation about whether I should go, and right. um, because I really liked my uncle, he was very funny. Um, and he used to come to Christmas all the time and he was hilarious and I was like curious as to what was going on and I wanted to I didn't quite understand what was happening and I knew something wasn't right because he was like everyone was all upset and everything so she me mum basically 
said to my dad pretty much this, and I always appreciate her for doing this because she's like, it's it's his it's his uncle, and he he would want to see him. Yeah. Um, and that's basically the principle of it's not a case of the fact that he was dying at that point, mm-hmm. but it was like I don't think it's right to just say we'll make them di- we're gonna make our son different where everybody else he's the one that's been left out and he yeah. doesn't understand like so how's he gonna understand it basically is what my mom was getting at so she took me there and we just made him laugh and everything and it made me understand i knew what was happening then because when i got there and saw how ill he was he was yeah. still him because he was just he'd accepted what was happening to him but i always think the reason it's important to talk about this is because then in stuff that's happened later in my life i always go back to that point because that's the starting point and when i realized what that was and had the tools then because then i obviously cried about it afterwards and it was it was devastating but at the same time it's like you've got to acknowledge that these things happen yes um and it didn't scar me it actually gave me the courage to face everything later in life and go you know i didn't understand it properly and maybe didn't do with it correctly but i my point is i think my mom in particular handled that the right way yeah it was this is what's happening and we're just going to expose them to it and then we'll deal with it afterwards and i think that's the issue that people are going that as you said kids are going to end up being blithering wrecks because you're just showing them something that's it, happening it's going to happen you know? at some point I, I, yeah I exactly came yeah. In just before Christmas, I'd, I'd, um, I, a lad I, I, I know, I still know him, but I haven't seen him for a long time, and I knew his wife was very ill, so sort of kept on touching social media. Yeah. And she died um, just before Christmas and left two small children. Mm-hmm. And those children have had to learn very quickly that, you know, and it is the way of the world, and I think sometimes with children, you have to let them learn and develop coping skills, otherwise you end up with children who don't understand how the world works mm-hmm. and something terrible happens, and like, why me? Yeah, and it, it, it is life. It's around us all the time, and it's the way you handle it. You handle yeah. it in a sensitive way, and you let them ask questions and have opportunities. And yeah. otherwise, you end up with children who can't cope as adults. They, mm-hmm. they, they, they don't. They haven't. I agree. But you'll know everything you learn in life. It's probably been come off the back of a mistake or something horrible that's happened. They're the best yeah. learning experience. Exactly. I always say all the time to anyone I speak to, it's like you know, as much you you don't want people to go through like awful thing unnecessarily but but if something happens just as a byproduct of life you shouldn't sugarcoat it and in the sense of you shouldn't like almost pretend it hasn't happened and that used to always frustrate me when i was growing up because it was always like you know in mental health you know which is what this show is about mainly is that's something in a nutshell that we all just avoid talking about because it's just easier but i always say my 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 the sentence i always love and i I wish i remembered who told me this but easier is very often not better no um, not and yeah, not in the not in the real world, basically. Yeah. So anyway, we've run out of time, unfortunately, Holly. But that I was a fantastic. Yeah. So do you want to say roughly? So where is this um, place in Prado? Well, just for people who, because I don't know Prado that well. But it's in the Time Riverside Country Park. Okay. Um, which is sort of low Prado, so it's not up in the the front street. Okay. And it's opposite the train station. So if you're right. waiting for a, a train or the trains late, if you just wander across. Is that side. near the Derwent side? country park at all no no it's either no. end but we, we're part of a land of oak and iron heritage project so you can actually follow the river right. the tyne along pick up the derwent and end up in concert there's a few heritage centers i've got friends in ovingham who is not well uh, pretty much yeah. under the bridge yeah. oh okay yeah, yeah. so you can lean out the back door and throw a stone hit ovingham bridge with right. that close or oh, don't do it though in case i won't i won't no. <laughs> 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 so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tell us if you're coming in i'll make sure yeah yeah
Yeah, we should go and see it. Sounds yeah. like a good idea. Okay. Um, what a fantastic, what a fantastic project, and it's been a pleasure. Thank you for talking so diversely about much. a million different things. Like perfect guest in that sense. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, right yeah. Thank you. So yeah, to see in Camilla Scoop, are you on face? Are you on like um, the interwebs? Yeah, yeah. I think Camilla's is on Facebook. I mm-hmm. give you a shout out today. And, oh, thank you. Uh, Thai and Riverside Cafe is on there too. Great. Great. Thank you so much, thank Holly, you. and uh, Happy New Year, happy and we'll see you very soon, hopefully. Cheers. Thanks very much. Right, we're going to take a break now for some ads, and then Nikki, who's been waiting patiently, is going to be on the show just in a second. Uh, it's a good friend of the show she's been on a few times uh, but we're going to play something Someone's Watching Me by Rockwell and we're going to play some ads and we'll be right back on Mentally Sound right here on Space FM 98.8 FM Sick of the same old radio sound <sighs> Then you need Vibrant Radio Spice up your life Spice FM 98.8 FM The Glasses Factory has arrived on West Road in Newcastle. To celebrate the opening of our new flagship store, The Glasses Factory are offering free eye tests, plus a £5 voucher for each eye test conducted. The Glasses Factory are always here to help. We have multilingual assistants in Punjabi and Urdu, and also both male and female attendants. See for yourself. The Glasses Factory, 498 Westgate Road, Newcastle. Call 0191-273-8460. Log on at Glasses factory.co.uk or search us out on Facebook. Have you heard about the latest wedding and events venue in town? The New Bridge Hotel in the heart of Newcastle City Centre is now available for Asian weddings, celebrations and events. The New Bridge Hotel's newly refurbished Granger Suite has a capacity of up to 400 guests and the Time Suite is the perfect setting for a welcome drinks reception. We are fully equipped for your choice of caterer to work from our kitchens and will also provide all your crockery, cutlery, glassware and linen. The New Bridge Hotel, New Bridge Street, Newcastle, offering a unique, unforgettable experience for your big day. For more information, get in touch with our dedicated wedding coordinator on 0191 250 5400 or email sales at the 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, Spice FM 98.8 FM.
Welcome back, everyone, to Spice FM, 98.8 FM is Mentally Sound, and that was Rockwell with Someone's Watching Over Me. Although, as I thought it was called Somebody Watching Over Me, maybe the database is wrong, but or maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a million tweets. So, what, what significance <laughs> does that song have? Uh, because they are your past choices. Uh, okay, so <laughs> let me see if I can make it work. Uh, <laughs> it's like a little game we're playing here. Uh, okay, so watching was, the me. first one was Respect, the uh-huh. next one was Little Lies. Well, if you're in a park, the, there's a good chance someone's watching you. <laughs> and that was Rockwell okay. <laughs> we've had this running theme because um, I've been playing stuff going like we played when we were watching Universal Credit and we were, we were joking about the government I played Little Lies um, and then the f- in, in the beginning I said I played Little Respect to say I think everyone should have a little respect for everybody so I'm running out, I'm running out of uh, I'm running out of segways <laughs> anyway it's just funny I'm just going to play a random song now and then that's the game I've got to yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's pick a random one, and I'll be like, "Yeah, how does this work?" Um, but yeah. So anyway, so um, I just wanted to say that um, obviously, thank you everyone for for li- for listening so far. Huge thank you to Holly. That was a fantastic conversation. Um, you know, we had her on a few years ago. Now, was it? Which was she? Must have came on the old mentally. Sound no, no, it was here, yeah, but it was, was like right at the one beginning. Of the first shows we yeah. did here. She must came in with a guest of hers who That's was, right, was yes. one of the new um, workers in her. Yeah, so it was really, yeah, it was really nice to catch up, and I just wanted to say a huge thank you for the. Fo- we've had a quite a few followers since we've been on the air, which is nice. So it's at underscore mentally sound. Um, if you want to follow us, and I'm at geek underscore apocalypse. Ricky's at vivid Ricky, um, and also, um, yeah, because I wanted to mention Steve, who was on the show last time uh, for as a guitarist, is going to be on Geek Apocalypse very soon. So I'm going to have like a, a more bigger conversation with him. So yeah, I want you to look search for that because um, I thought it was it because we didn't get, really get a chance to talk to him in depth. We just you know we talked to him a little bit and then play the song I'll just so. say this now before I yeah. forget happy birthday mum if you're listening oh yes <laughs> <laughs> how, and she's like how dare you didn't start mm, with that yeah. Ricky <laughs> but can, yes um, congratulations to Mrs Ricky um, is it Mrs Salmon I should say Salmon, yeah. Uh, yeah, Six, um, 65 years wow. young yeah yeah, fantastic news. Nice. Yeah, I hope she's having a good day. Because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we talk about our mums a lot on this show, so, yeah, I feel like... Um, well, I'm, last uh, yeah. year, I think, we were just saying before about defining years. 2018 for us two, like, caring for our mums for different reasons, is, is just defined that in a way, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you were saying about, yeah, because we were talking about it being in the new year, whatever, yeah, it, it, it does feel like a... It did feel like a fresh start to me, and I did say, like, we were going to talk about what happened to me that time. I told you over the phone about what happened a few days ago with my mum. Uh, I'm sure we'll get to that oh, in yeah, a second, yeah, yeah. but obviously we've got guests waiting. So, um, Nikki from Back to Balance, welcome back. Thank you. Oh, back to Balance, back. back on the show. Back <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't going to this isn't gonna leave our heads. We're going to just be like... Last time, your back was so, so Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh no! I feel now I'm just. I all in my head now is uh, sh- uh, Slim Shady. Uh, Shady's back again. Okay. <laughs> <He's back. laughs> yes, he's back, Nikki. The earworm for the day. But yeah, so I guess um, Happy New Year, first of all. Thank you, you too. Um, and I mean, we've been saying this to every guest, so I guess we'll um, we'll we'll start with this. Is just how was your festive season? Did you have a good Christmas and everything? I did. I chose to have a restful season mm-hmm. instead of a stressful season. Mm-hmm. Okay. As we know Christmas is can be one of the most stressful seasons of all times, isn't it? Yes. So um, I chose to of all time. Yeah. Um, and chose to completely unplug and get some downtime and have some good family quality time. Nice. And get down to the 
the park and have yeah. a walk. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that was so crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah, you. Yeah. yeah, we should say that as a context, is there? Because you call it the end of our interview with yeah. Holly, and um, yeah, you actually do use her cafe and do I the know. walk. Yeah, which it's is a uh, lovely place to go. And yeah, yeah. Um, really did go and enjoy yeah. the walk and drag the kids out so that they didn't mm-hmm. spend all day on their computers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So how was um? So how was the Christmas um? season because obviously like when you were on i think i'm right saying you were on the first of De- the first show of december was it or was it november i can't remember now I think was it and yeah. was the last i think it was the last one in november yeah it was around about then two years yeah. previous um, we had you on the fourth yeah with claire yeah. Yeah. yeah so obviously because i'm sure we talked about or we might well we could talk about it now which is basically about the, the christmas period is obviously for for people you know who need you know might need therapy counseling all that sort of stuff it obviously racks up with stress i mean we talked about this in our christmas show yeah. about how we you know but in particularly ricky and i don't don't like this particular time because um you know it's 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 just unnecessary stressful with the commercial aspect to it and everything else so i'm guess i'm curious in from the back to balance sense does does it rake up in terms of interest around this time in terms of like the stress of christmas or um what's it kind of like in that sense it kind of modulates a little bit okay so you do have um people who are needing extra support obviously because christmas also can be a big trigger for people mm. um we know that people who um, a lot of people can feel really really lonely mm-hmm. so you'll have a lot of things like that coming through um, again you know as you mentioned you know Christmas triggers a lot of things the whole yeah. consumerism drive mm-hmm. um, it's the time where you reconnect with family mm-hmm. and sometimes we have family members that um, you know we're not really connecting well with so a mm-hmm. lot of anxiety so there, it could be a lot of social anxiety kicking off in people so we do tend to see that picking up yes um and then on the other side is uh, you know people tend to obviously because of the pressure of having to be at all these social engagements Mm -hmm. and get you know into the shops and get all the christmas shopping done Mm -hmm. so you can sometimes see a little bit of a dip on that side Mm -hmm. but generally i mean i cannot complain we've really been lucky you know we we see a constant steady stream Mm -hmm. um and what about this side of the year, the new year? Um, obviously, people make resolutions. Do do clientele come to people like you because to help kickstart such a resolution, that kind of thing, or, or at least guide them? So normally what I start doing is by the end of mm. November, I start right. checking in with people because this is when you start thinking about what kind of new resolutions you're going to make. Yeah. So come December, this is everyone's thinking, oh, new yeah. year, new me, what am I going to do? And, and, yeah. Um, so I normally start checking in with people by that point in time and start saying, right, what are, what are we wanting to focus on for yeah. next year? What what kind of things do you want yeah. to start bringing in for yourself? And also really thinking about them, you know, making mm-hmm. them important because a lot of the time some of the news resolutions is just because maybe it's a social kind of hype or stream that people are all, you know, everyone's okay. going to stop, you know, in January, everyone's going to go dry January. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe that doesn't one of my work. Friends, one of my friends is doing that right but now. But that creates yeah. a lot of stress for some yeah. people because it's not working for them. Mm-hmm. You know, so What's the new one? Veganary? Is that vegan, the new one? Yeah. And then there's Red January, which I think red. is brilliant. Red January is get moving. Be active every day. Oh, I thought it was like a red wine thing or something, but <laughs> that's, that's my oh, first thought when awful. it said that, yeah. No, I saw um, the other day, actually. Um, I need to think, of, I need to go and look at who, um, who, who's doing it so it's a red january it's a movement challenge so every day you have an active day you commit to some sort of movement activity yes to combat the blues in january i see which is brilliant okay so what Mm -hmm. we do is we start you know on the emotional wellness side of the clinic we start Mm -hmm. to recalibrate people on thinking about why they want to make these Mm -hmm. resolutions and what's really going to work for them as individuals yeah absolutely um and then what we're doing is i'm 
I'm focusing on that now next week. We're starting to run classes and workshops for mm-hmm. people um, that they can come in and, and uh, attend on looking at why they've made that New Year's resolution. Um, are they sticking to the New Year's resolution? Why have they broken that resolution already? Mm-hmm. Because some people, you know, we're on the 11th, and some people have broken their New Year's resolutions yeah. already. Um, and then as soon as that happens, that creates a huge mental dialogue in your head, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And it's going to create, you know, and have an off-spin on emotions with that. Yeah. So um, we work with that. So we've got a course coming up in this month. Is this, so you're essentially that. looking at the background as to why they're making them choices in the first place. It's not, yes. not do, you, do, you, do you then avoid ones, people who kind of make them things on a whim then, or...? You know so what, what I do is I, I, I break it down. I have sections that I focus right. on. So it's I, I really ask people to look at why they're choosing to make certain commitments. Okay. Yeah. Um, a lot of people make huge commitments that are just too difficult to okay. to keep. So then just talking to them and saying, well, maybe do it for a shorter time frame. Yeah. So let's talk about dry January. Mm-hmm. Why not say for the first week? And I'm not knocking anyone who is doing dry January, but you know, sometimes for people who just are used to having that drink, mm-hmm. and for them it's their unwind time. Mm-hmm. That whole month is extremely stressful, especially mm-hmm. if you know, like you've got your mom's birthday mm-hmm. today. Now you can't have it. You know, if your family traditionally celebrates with a you mm-hmm. know a little bit of fizz or whatever it is, now you can't commit to that, yeah. and that creates. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, but you should because it's your mom, and yeah. you know, yeah. then you can't really, then you can't yeah. be part of that and creates yeah. more of an emotional yeah. off kick yeah. for someone yeah. mm-hmm. so i like to look at smaller smaller bite sizes of commitments yeah then what you're doing is you're feeding yourself this inner dialogue that mm-hmm. actually i can commit to this rather than the i failed already that's yeah. I, I i totally get that because that, that you can apply uh, again i always think with two like you essentially giving people life tools because you can apply that to anything and um, because i i'm just thinking as you said that it's a bit like people who go if you want to write a novel instead of thinking about the process of i've got to write this many thousand words it's a bit like when you're at university trying to do an essay is instead of thinking about the end goal yep. do a little bit at a time so if you can just okay. commit to i mean i actually think because i i mean i ended I, I did end up writing a book and i've done anything with it but um my process was instead of even thinking about because some people go just do an hour a day but sometimes like you said that might not be possible but basically as long as you commit to something and um, that you feel I'm able fine. to do yeah yeah then you'll find like you just said you might want to increase that after a while because you go i can manage this and i can give a little bit more time or maybe you might find yourself going i can do way more on saturday or on this particular time slot and then and then if you be a little bit more flexible with your time then and and not the expectation level being so high i think that's a fantastic um bit of advice because i i i apply that a lot in my life and i never used to i used to because do you think I guess because what makes me think about that, do you think that's why a lot of people when they come up with an idea of what they want to do, maybe a goal of theirs, that they don't actually do anything because it becomes too, the enormity of it becomes too much? Absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes they're not taking their full personality yeah. into account. Yes. So they're making a commitment to themselves that ultimately they cannot really keep yeah. because they haven't really understood their personality. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think that too. So, yeah. you know, let's say someone, like you, the example you use, you know, write a little bit every day. Maybe they've said, well, in the mornings I'm going to write, but they're more of a night person. Yeah, exactly. You know, but they've made this commitment to do it in the morning, and yeah. now they have to feel that they have to stick to that commitment. Mm-hmm. And they don't actually think that there's an opportunity to maybe mm-hmm. change that perspective in their mind and say, mm-hmm. actually, I'm, I'm better at night. Let me mm-hmm. let me do this at night. Yeah. Or maybe let me do it two nights a week. Or Yeah. Or something like mm-hmm. that. So a lot of the times is that we're overcommitting ourselves. We're yeah. not really understanding our limits. Mm-hmm. The other thing is is that if something is that important to you that you've made a, let's say, New Year's resolution around it, mm-hmm. you've got to really think about what else is happening in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you want this, there's a reason you've chosen to change yeah. that aspect of yourself. A conscious decision, isn't it's it? It's a yeah. very conscious decision. Yeah. And you have to consciously connect to it yeah. on a daily basis mm-hmm. and throughout the day. And what happens is, that, like, the gym's the perfect one, isn't it? You know, everyone, like, signs up for gym, you know, <laughs> yeah. for the first week or so. And then <laughs> they forget why yeah. they decided that that was so important yeah. for them. Mm-hmm. And then... Other things come in, you know, maybe they got to bed too late or they had a dinner that ran too late and then they're too tired in the morning or whatever it is, yeah. you know. And like what Steve was saying about his writing, it, what you described, describes my running as well. Because now I'm in, the, I'm, in that, I'm in that cycle now where if, I, if there's a morning, because I'll run in the morning, yeah. I, when I can't run, if I've got an appointment, I, I really feel it. That you feel it, yeah. Whereas before, before I was like a bit anxious about it. Mm. I'm not sure I should run. Yeah. Now I'm like, I'm getting quite angry that I didn't get to run. Yeah. So I'm, I'm quite glad I've, I've got onto that plane. Uh, so what the things you just described there, is that part of what you call the psychological interventions that you use throughout all these things that you, you know, if people come in various um, issues they want to get over, be it resolutions, is that what you call interventions or is that something completely different? You mean interventions around yeah, resolutions? Read, yeah, I was just reading on your website. You've got a subhead called psychological interventions. Because I don't think we explored that last time. No, um, that's more with Dr. Chris. So, oh, I see. Okay. so he's okay. our clinical psychologist. Yeah. So yeah. that'll be more his area. Okay. So with me, I go into the other side of emotional wellness. Mm-hmm. I don't focus on right. what what Chris would focus okay. on. Okay. Yeah. Um, in terms of the resolutions, it's more about understanding who they are as an individual, why they're choosing that, tuning into their inner dialogue, Mm -hmm. um, and then also addressing some of the limiting beliefs that they have about it because we've all got this dialogue that tells us, you you know, that you're not going to be able to achieve this. Most people have an inner dialogue that says, you know, I'm... I'm not enough, I'm not good enough for this. So we look at changing that limiting okay. belief about them, but also helping them to anchor into the progression of 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 the, of the movement. Yeah. So, you know, you said the running. In the beginning, mm. that was quite difficult for you, and you obviously mm. had some challenges to overcome to, to get to running on a daily basis. But then as you run, you start feeling better. Yeah. And as you see that you're achieving that one, like I said, the bite sizes, as you see that you've achieved that one little bite size, something mm. shifts in you, and you start <sighs> feeling a little bit better. And then that is what catalysts you into trying to work at it for the next day. Yeah. So it's really about tuning into the tiny little shifts within you which yeah. are feeling a little bit better a little bit better a little bit better. oh maybe not so good today but that's okay because, because i know i'll go back to it but yeah. i know i can go back to it and that's yeah. a more open space and it just within the mind mm-hmm. it's a lot more open and and willing so to each person that comes to see you they would meet different specialists that would hone in on that very area to help them progress then so you would have the the 
the aspect you've described, you have Dr. Chris looking at yeah. Chris looking psychology. So it's a team effort within your It is. So okay. we do work um you know, we do have patients that we work okay. together. Okay. But generally if someone comes in because they want to see Chris, then they tend to stay with Chris unless Chris wants to bring other aspects that That's I do. That's what so I was kind of exploring a little bit yeah. because I wonder if some people they feel more comfortable being assigned to maybe just the one person. Especially yeah. if they're sharing sensitive information. Yeah. But I guess, I don't know, it, you, it, what you're essentially doing is having all the options on the table. Aren't We've you? got all the options on the table. Yeah. And because I focus on other things that Chris doesn't, um, I mean, he is a psychologist and I'm okay. not. Um, so, like, if he feels that someone needs more mindfulness, more right. relaxation, got just it. other things, then yeah. he will send them up to me. Mm-hmm. And then what we'll do is, you know, Chris and I will have a chat. Mm-hmm. Say right, you know what's coming up on your side, what's coming up on my side. What do we feel is the best avenue for this family, this mm-hmm. person, and then we agree on a plan mm-hmm. and we tackle it oh, from those okay. sides. And then we'll sit down with the person and tell them the plan mm-hmm. and see if they agree to it. And okay. then then we start taking the steps. Does the person who you sit down with the plan was, for an example, do they have a say in? Can they? Can you? Can you all that? Like, can you say if they say I'd prefer like this being tweaked or whatever it is? Is it has yes, that? Definitely. So normally yeah. we'd, we'd look at um, trying to give them a couple of options so that they can choose. You know, mm-hmm. what, what they feel is going mm-hmm. to be best for them because. You, you do get the best results when you get the engagement from the yes, person. Yes, absolutely. You that's know, you that's why I asked you. Yeah. You cannot uh-huh. say to someone, well, this is what you have to do and um, just if, expect... If their answer is like, I really don't think I can do that, then yeah, you're you're Especially you're when the you're hog, looking yeah. at emotional wellness mm-hmm. because you need their full engagement in that mm-hmm. and their full commitment because you know, if you're not working together, then you know, you, one-sided yeah. is not going to get progress. Mm-hmm. You really need them to be on board mm-hmm. with whatever... Um, Great, we have to. No, we have Ricky. We have to stop Um, because we've got the guests. We've got the air phone interview happening. So, um, uh, but yeah, I just wanted to say I think there's a good summary because uh, obviously you summarise this is to say I think that's what gives your um, your centre like the biggest advantage because if you if you talk to people about you know. um, when you when you do like on the NHS for example or whatever it may be they're all different organizations all spread across and I think the biggest problem even when you do reach a point where you get any sort of help in that situation they don't talk to each other or communication yeah. gets lost or it takes too long to get an answer whereas like you as you just literally described like you they Chris could go upstairs to you and then basically say we need to do this 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 and this mm. and I think that's a huge benefit that you guys have is that you're all in one area so like you don't have to like wait for a response for a week or two weeks or whatever it is because as we've talked about many a time and when you've been on the show some stuff is short term so um so yeah i think it's excellent so just want to say quickly we're back to balances base so people can know and newcastle business park on the riverside um just right down by the water okay post your workshops on our facebook so people can see thank you very great thanks thanks right we need to take a quick break now because we're being wrong because we've got our next appointment we're going to play treat me right by pat (laughs) penadar And we'll be right back. You got a better choice this yes. time. Yes, because it's treat me right, uh, and I'll be right back uh, with our phone interview with Melissa and Richard right after these messages. For the community, by the community, Spice FM ninety eight point eight FM. Spice FM will be celebrating Mahmoud Rafi's birthday once again on Christmas Eve this year from eleven to two. Join the oldest gold host Masood with a selection of Rafi's greatest hits. Happy 
Welcome to your community announcement answer machine. To broadcast your community announcement on Spice FM free of charge, call 0191273988. Select option 3 and record your message. No more messages. Sick of the same old radio sound. <sighs> then you need vibrant radio. Spice up your life. Spice FM, 98.8 FM. Hello everybody, Treat Me Right by Pat Benatar, just like you hope everyone gets treated right, <laughs> especially when you go 
to <laughs> to Nikki's welfare centre. <laughs> and she's leaving. I just thought it was a quick joke as she's leaving. Thanks so much and take care. Bye. Um, Happy New Year, obviously. Yeah. Um, to Nikki, who's just leaving from Back to Balance. Um, and yeah, um, that was the most theme or song orientated show I think we've ever done. Yeah, it was just I don't know. We did, we, we for those who are just tuning in, obviously, if you're listening on the FM frequency on the wireless side, thank you so much for tuning in to Mentally Sound on Spice FM. Um, there's been a long running joke that I've been playing songs that are sort of related to the subject matter, and it, I've been crowbarring in, and it's getting worse and worse in terms of like um, in segues. So yeah, um, that's why we're laughing every time we play a song uh, with the title. Um, but it's been a fantastic show so far. Huge thank you to Holly from the um, St. Camilla's group about the Proto Cafe that's opened. Um, and obviously Nick who's just left from Back to Balance who's a huge um, you know um, back huge, again uh, next month she'll be so alright great okay she's got a long running report yeah yeah she's got a good relationship with us and it's always nice to talk to her about obviously uh, yeah New Year's resolutions is something we never yeah. even considered talking about and um, that's a very good conversation for this time of year mm-hmm. so because um, I know a friend who's doing dry January so um, but yeah this next uh, guests who are waiting patiently on the line um, is Melissa and Richard who are co-founders of the Grenfell Hope Project which we're so happy to be on um, because we've talked about the Grenfell situation uh, we talked about the Grenfell documentary that was on um, not too long ago on I've this show I've mentioned a few times in um, mental health news about you know, the, me- yes, the mental course, health yeah. impact of that, that um, and obviously thing. anyone who's listening around the world who doesn't know about Grenfell it was a huge disaster that happened in London um, about the tower that um, basically had a huge fire um, a lot of a lot of fatalities and a lot of consequences of that and Melissa and Richard joined us now on the phone from the Grenfell Hope Project can you hear us guys? Yes. Yeah, good afternoon to you. Uh, great, and um, thank you so much for coming on, guys. As we said, it's a huge honour, um, you know, obviously talking about um, the great work that your organisation does. So I guess um, to make this work, because obviously, as we said, we've got two people on the line, we'll just say Melissa or Richard can answer, if that's okay with you guys, so then we're not uh, overlapping each other talking, if that's all right? That'll work, thank Sounds you. Good, yeah. Great. Um so I guess start with um Melissa, um or well actually whoever makes sense to be appropriate, um, is to how um the organization got started in the first place. And um, we'll start yes, with Melissa maybe. Yeah. Yes, so, well, my background is in international humanitarian relief, and when I saw the news, I knew that there will be a big need for um, immediate psychological first aid yes. um, mm-hmm. on the scene. And I ran up there just to volunteer myself, and mm-hmm. um, because I knew that there will be lots of people on the street, um, that the fire was still going on, a lot of people were watching it, and this lasted a few days. And um, as you may or not know, that Grenfell Tower was in a very um, densely populated area, so there were yeah. uh, lots of neighbors who were um, on the streets um, who witnessed uh, this tragedy as well. Mm-hmm. And when I arrived there, I just looked for where, where is any psychological um, support being provided. And uh, it was a bit chaotic at first. And I said, you know, I would like to do some psychosocial work here. And I went on my personal Facebook and I posted, um, are there any volunteers who can come up and help me just provide basic psychological first aid? Mm-hmm. Uh, for which you don't need to be a psychologist, you don't need to be a sociologist, you just need to be a human and be there and listen to people and help them. Uh, you know, deal with this tragedy. And um, I had 40 people who replied within a few hours, and that number grew to 400 in wow. two days. Yeah. And I felt, you know, this is just too good to let go, and we, let's just try to mobilize everyone and try what we can. And um, what we wanted to do in the first days was, you know, you realize um, somebody coming out of this tragedy, and I don't just mean the survivors, but anyone who watched it, even on TV, mm. yes. it's mm. really... Um, 
hard to go on with your lives as if uh, things are back mm. to normal. Traumati- I think traumatizing is an appropriate uh, word. Yeah, mm. I mean, I don't want to use that word, but yes, some people okay. were also traumatized. And um, and then, you know, there there are set up places for people to go um, receive some sort of mental health support. But you will understand that it's really hard for somebody to check themselves into a clinic yeah. or go behind a desk and uh, say, you know, I would like to receive support, but the need is still there. So I wanted to make sure that we can get this help to anyone mm-hmm. who needed it at the time they needed it. So that meant working on the street level. So we developed um, the system where we had uh, 10 psychologists um, or psychosocial volunteer going out every day um, and helping people deal with these emotions. And what's important is, um, you know, just to make sure that people are not passive victims, but they are actually active survivors and just yeah. try to get this message out that whatever you feel is a normal reaction to an abnormal event. Yeah. And um, yes, people come out and say um, it's been traumatizing, like you said, for many of us. But just to know that there's nothing abnormal with you. It's just a very normal reaction that you're giving to a very abnormal event. Mm-hmm. And just these early days is very crucial in helping people um, help not develop further anxieties or PTSD and other things. And mm-hmm. So we've done that, and on just the first Saturday alone, we served 97 children, um, again, on the street level, and this work went on for a few weeks. Mm -hmm. And we realized we wanted to be there and do what's not being done, not to replicate any work, but just also make sure that we fill in all the gaps in uh, mental health support. And we realized that there were um, there was a large number of people who did not speak um, English as a first language yeah. or who were from different backgrounds and they felt more comfortable speaking with somebody in their own language. So yes. we set mm-hmm. up a small language uh, bank volunteers. And as I said, we had over, I think, 400 volunteers uh, or more at that moment. Mm-hmm. And we made sure we used only, um, you know, accredited psychologists and mm-hmm. we had these, them registered with the languages. And so we were able to send, uh, if, if, if it was a Bengali individual who wanted to speak Bengali, we were able mm-hmm. to provide them um, mm-hmm. with a volunteer who would go out and speak to them in their own language, which mm-hmm. we thought was really important in the early days. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's a very good way of putting it. Um, how about you, Richard? How did How did you get involved? Um, well, I met Melissa fairly early on in the process and... Um, my main my interest as a psychologist personally is in really looking after the volunteers as well mm-hmm. because I think the accent generally by the authorities will be on the bereaved and on the those who are injured or uh, who survived when actually as Melissa's alluded to there's a far wider circle of people who are involved in it mm-hmm. uh, not least the um, the volunteers themselves yes absolutely and um, there is also the question of burnout on the part of the volunteers mm-hmm. uh, and I was largely responsible for running the emotional support sessions that we ran for the volunteers themselves yes. so that they could feel that they'd done their bit for the grandpa volunteers and resume a normal life because in any sort of response to a to a traumatic episode or a, a community tra- traumatic event mm-hmm. um, it, the it's very easy to get overwhelmed by it. Absolutely, you yeah. To dominate the rest of your life, and that's mm-hmm. why there needs to be a. Um, I don't call it closure. I hate the phrase, but I do use the same phrase mm-hmm. acceptance. Yes. That you've been involved in the process, you accept yeah. that it's all happened, and then you move on and get back to as near normality as you can. And that's what our emotional support sessions did. 
And, you know, we're very well aware that a lot of volunteers were not part of organisations such as MIND, although they did marvellous work, um, as did the various faith centres. But some people just came as individual volunteers and they had no support, which, you know, they need on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, because... So um, that's it, the sort of bit I pulled together in, in the sort of early few months after the, the accident happened. Yeah, and I think... Um I think that's that's amazing that you, you know, had this the self the almost the self awareness basically as an organisation to go. You know, um, I think as a knee jerk reaction because you want people to be that um, you know um, humanitarian in a sense of that they want to dedicate their time to an awful situation and help somebody in 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 really bad in a really bad need. Um, and the fact that they the fact that you did that and almost sort of safeguarding the volunteers because I imagine you know in certain scenarios people might not have have thought that be you know something that they would even consider because it is like you know it's not just about the people who are involved in the process but the actual help the people who are giving the help as well. Um, well, that's right. I mean, if you look at a lot of um, you know major incidents that have happened and you then look at the psychological well-being of those individuals. 18 months, two years thereon, it's not those who are directly involved. But it's Mm -hmm. not the people who were bereaved. It's not the people who would have been injured. It's actually the people in the neighbouring towers who watched this and felt helpless, the volunteers who went down there and saw dreadful scenes, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day didn't have any sort of um, opportunity to, in technical terms, offload. You're right, it just needs people to have a humanitarian... Um, side to the to the whole angle, and I think it's, if I'm honest, it's something that within the authorities and the state response, it isn't there or it wasn't there. Yeah, I think it, the state response is all geared up to dealing with those who have got blood on them or have been mm. killed, and and I take my hat off to to them. I think that side is generally dealt with very well, but it's not seeing the wider purview. Um, the sort of the ripple effect, as I call it, of, of involvement in something like Grenfell. And I can understand from the um, uh, the, the, the Crudders flat scenario that the people in there would, would feel equally concerned. Oh, yeah, you guys you know, got you guys got the link from what I sent you. Yeah, yeah, we have the same situation, yeah. Um, hi, guys, it's Ricky here. Thanks for, for doing this. Um, I was wanting to ask, I mean, in, in essence, you've answered a lot of the, 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 the questions I had written down here, but, I mean, I guess with what makes Grenfell unique is that you have this huge sort of tower block that stands in like the middle of a community and and when you're dealing with PTSD I guess having to st- I know it's sort of like covered up now it's sort of draped over but for a long while even after the fire I mean having to look at that every day for survivors for people affected must have real uh, triggered a lot of anxiety from over a lot of people that you were seeing to It certainly would in the short term Ricky Yeah. You know? I mean but, but what again as Melissa said earlier for the initial six to eight weeks after the uh, disaster happened, the disaster happened, any any disaster or exposure yeah. to trauma, yeah. the brain is exceptionally good at healing itself given the right support. Mm-hmm. Okay, so actually, for the vast majority of people, uh, at the eight week point, actually the tower still being there mm-hmm. is part of the normality, yeah. and it's not a huge part of the acceptance, yeah. Yeah, because what what we're trying to what everyone is trying to do, and the brain, all our individual brains are trying to do, mm-hmm. is get back to some form of, of normality. Yeah. So yes, anxiety will be a big issue in yeah. in the short term. Yeah. The trick that I think can be easily missed is for the um, the sort of thirty percent of people who uh, take longer than the six to eight weeks, yeah. then a number of those will go on to develop chronic psychological adjustment disorders such as PTSD mm-hmm. anyway, whatever you do. 
but there's some 15 to 20 percent and i hate talking statistics when you're talking about people but that that's what you sort of need to prepare for and i think the government would do well to do that and local authorities for future can i ask can i ask a quick question on on this thing because i I have my own background in ptsd i mean i i rejected any early intervention which is why you know it affected me so later on in life because for so long it lay dormant which is why as well i think what you guys are doing is great because you're getting in there early um what about this issue of survivor's guilt because i know in you know in my situation i think that was an issue for me um survivor's guilt that you know people who feel who ask the question well how come i survived and so many others didn't and they feel guilty about that did you come across a lot of that well what we came across actually was um there, there are um there are lots of housings near grenfell and uh, there are the walks and we mm. we knew that um there was a population a large population um that had suffered from mental health um uh, issues prior this grenfell yeah. and they used to be going to their gp regularly and they used to be on medication but after grenfell happened they felt that they will be overwhelming the services and they stopped their own uh, treatment right. so wow. that people will go so when we heard that and when we realized that we um, got together with a few members of the community and with again accredited psychologists mm. and we knocked on every single door around mm. the walks and it was Mm -hmm. uh, hundreds of homes um, that was I think around the six week time mm -hmm. and we just asked them how they're doing and uh, there were a few cases where um, they asked for help and they felt that you know I would love to go back to my GP but mm -hmm. I feel really ashamed to be you know worried about my own problem right now but that could have been a mother at, at home with two kids and she yeah. you know that she had kids dependent on her and she yeah. still felt like she couldn't she wasn't you know um, able to get this service and we had our um, psychologists or counselors mm -hmm. sometimes having these people um, walking hand in hand. They, they literally walk them to the GPs and they try to make them go back to the services. Yeah. And um, also, we also saw that uh, there were some people who did who felt uncomfortable going to the NHS services um, after this whole uh, thing. And we partnered with the NHS. We tried to signpost as much as we mm -hmm. could, but then we realized, you know, the need is there. And mm -hmm. if anyone is out there wanting to get one-to-one -one free therapy, yeah. just ring us. We'll, we'll do it through right. the centers in the Grenfell area, or we can provide it um, anywhere that the beneficiary feels comfortable. So we had a few survivors and yeah. a few neighbors from the community and volunteers who started one-to-one -one therapy and continued, um, I think, during the last year. One last uh, question from, from, from uh, me. Well, can, can I just add Yeah, yeah, go on, go on, I Richard. Mean, yeah. uh, I mean, I think, um, following on from exactly what Melissa has said, one of the things we're doing now, literally, is in partnership with Mental Health First Aid England... That was my question, actually. You, you mentioned it, so carry on, yeah, yeah. go on. <laughs> okay, I, I was just going to say that what we're doing in partnership with Mental Health yeah. First Aid England mm -hmm. is delivering uh, free of charge mental health awareness programs for the local community and right. indeed for volunteers right. to actually say it's okay to have mental health concerns mm -hmm. and you shouldn't all be defined by trauma and right. i think that's you know it's being very well taken up in the community yeah. coming back to the survivor guilt bit yeah. i mean i'm to totally with um with you on that one and it's a big overlooked issue i personally got a military background i was in the air force as a uh, psychologist for a long time, I see. and if there's one thing I learned, it's never underestimate the potential for survivor guilt. Right. Um, part of your work as well is, I understand, is is building a community sort of resilience, sort of as a, a reaction to what happened. How's that been going? It's been going well. Um, as I said, it's 
you know, the first year was more or less um, the psychological first aid and um, the therapies, and we wanted to move away from therapies as much as we can. But of mm -hmm. course, if there is any need, we're mm -hmm. still able to provide free services. Yeah. But um, what Richard talked about, um, the psychology, um, the, the the partnership with mental health first aid falls mm -hmm. into the resilience because um, the training that we're providing for free again now. Um, they help you understand what the mental health first aid is, what, what are the possible um, mental see, health issues yeah. one can have in their own lives, in their yeah. own families. And um, this is something I think I discussed with you before. If you see somebody on the street who had a car accident and is bleeding, you don't just go and ask them, how did this happen? Can you tell me what you saw or what happened? You just yeah. try to stop the bleeding as fast as you can. Yeah. And I never understand why people don't try to do this um, in a mental health kind of scenario. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, you see someone in distress and, um, you know, we know we shouldn't ask about intrusive questions. What happened? Tell me all. But we have to be there to listen to them mm -hmm. and um, to support them. And I think that's sort of the work we continue doing and these trainings um you know we, people who attend receive uh mental health first aid england certificate saying their mental health uh, first aid aware but um they, they walk out feeling okay now i really understand the things that uh, could affect my mind um, not just through an illness but when you're too stressed what are the reactions your body shows and uh, these sort of i think informative sessions build up yeah. resilience as well yeah Great. That's fantastic. And as I said at the beginning, thank you so much, um, Melissa and Richard, for coming on. I really, we really appreciate it. Just finally, as again, we always say this in a wrap up, if you could just tell people, as you've mentioned about, you know, helping out or if anyone needs to use your services, how can people get in touch? Yes, they can always email us at grandcellhopeproject at gmail.com okay. and we will ring you back. Uh, we will ring them back. Um, again, we're able to provide one-to-one -one, uh, free therapy sessions and also with people in distance. I would like to mention that the Grenfell, uh, after the Grenfell, there were lots of people who traveled from other parts of the country and they've gone back to their cities or even other countries. And we had a few volunteers. Wow. Um, that did not qualify for the services in the Grenfell area because they don't live here, but we had therapists working with them on the phone, so mm -hmm. we were able to do um, phone therapies as well. Great. So if anyone feels for whatever reason they cannot access the NHS services, feel free to email us, or Great. if there are any other projects that they would like us to see, in, uh, again, email grenfellhopeproject at gmail.com or join our page on Facebook, it's uh, Grenfell Hope Project. Excellent. Great. Well, all you me to say is Melissa and Richard from the Grenfell Hope Project. Thanks so much for joining us on Mentally Sound, and uh, we really appreciate Continue it. Continue the great work. Brilliant. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks well, so much, guys. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. Thank Take you. care. Bye. Thanks Thank so much. Bye. Bye. Wow. Fantastic. Um, wow. We're really powerful. Um, I had to, I had, I mean, I usually work with the, on, the honesty on this show. Um, I mean, like, I mean, it was a fantastic, um, chance to talk to these guys. I mean, because, you know, obviously the Grenfell is such a huge disaster. Given my own background, um, PTSD, I yes. really wanted to talk to these guys. Um, that's why I'm pleased yeah. that I like give Ricky yeah. the floor on that one. And also I had to, I had to have a quick run out of the studio <laughs> because, um, and I, I was, I thought about not saying this, but, um, I said to Ricky, just, just, just keep going because he was doing a fantastic job anyway. But, um, I was worried that I was getting a phone call about 
about your mum. Turns out it was nothing. Because um, my phone literally started blowing up. I, you probably could hear my um, ringtone starting. Um, I usually don't have my phone on, but um, I was worried something happened to my mum because um, we'll get to that. What we're going to do is we'll just go a little bit longer um, in order to give, give Gail as much time as we can. Um, but yeah, that was uh, Richard and Melissa from the um, Grenfell Hope Project. Please do check out their stuff. And as I say, thank you so much for them giving up their time. Um, but yeah, she's been waiting patiently for the last half an hour or so, which um, we're really delighted. Um, and again, I think this is a full disclosure because we believe in you know um, you know diversity and all this kind yeah. of thing is to let everyone be aware that um, Gail's going to be speaking through her phone. Um, uh, you know, which we're obviously going to talk to her about um, about why that is and all that sort of stuff. But more importantly, because um, I'm a creative soul myself, um, which is why I'm so delighted you're on. Um, she's a poet, an artist. She's a creative spirit. Um, so yeah, I thought. Um, so as we'll say, we'll we'll, we'll go sl- we'll go um, slow so we can you can uh, you can keep up with us. Um, um, so yeah, so she's got a uh, she's the founder of Happy Planet in Whitley Bay, which I'm a huge fan of, and um, which is an organisation to give creative opportunities to members um, as well as workshops and all that kind. Of thing so i guess first of all hello gail um i don't, uh, do you want to answer that <laughs> yeah um so yeah yeah we'll see how see how this works be, yeah i'm so excited it's so interesting mm-hmm. um just brought a book along listeners so uh, we'll look forward to which you said she's going to donate yeah. to me which i'm so excited you get all the best stuff i know <laughs> i know yeah i was going to pass it on to you can you just you can remind all um, our guests to bring two of everything <laughs> yes yeah we should do yeah you can have the um, Steve CD. I've got that oh, in my. Um, I still got that in my bag. You can have Please, that. It's good. Thank you. Hi, Ricky, Steve, and everyone. Great. <laughs> Hello Hi, to you too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, um, I guess um, the first thing we wanted to ask you then, Gail, is because I talked about the the Happy Planet thing. Is how did um, that come about? I guess. Um, I guess to save the silences, because she has to. Um, question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Big question. It is indeed. Yeah. <laughs> I love a creative soul. This is great, isn't it? Yeah. I think we are being inclusive with things like this. Why wouldn't we include people? Uh, yeah, yeah, then, you know, it's what I want the wonders of technology. Yeah. Um, it's the essence of the our opp- show, isn't it? Really? Yeah. yeah. People the opportunity to talk. Mm-hmm. Um. It sounds fascinating, this happy plan. So. Mm-hmm. Well, already there's three venues mentioned today from Holly's and... and, and yeah. Um, so we should visit all of them and do a short yeah. one or something. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mentally sound road trip. <laughs> and yeah, we'll go to Happy Planet yeah. and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I began this journey after a, a series of traumatic events. Mm-hmm. I knew that from research as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say not too dissimilar to a lot of people we have mm-hmm. on. Um, it usually means that they end up, um, um, uh, as you say, I was a social worker. Mm-hmm. But had retired. so fascinating I'm, I'm assuming people can hear because i can hear it in my headphones mm-hmm. you can hear our typing mm-hmm. um so yeah i just thought we'd be patient about it um so yeah usually um 
avoid dead air on the on the show, but it makes sense in this, yeah, in this context. Yeah. When I knew I was developing PTSD, I set up the business to support me. Great. And I'm assuming helping others as well um, as part of the, yeah. <laughs> like it's like listening to someone do a typewriter because I knew I needed structure and purpose mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah very mm-hmm. important obviously mm-hmm. yeah it was very slow in the beginning mm-hmm when you start a business it usually is yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess anything involving other people I mean, look at what look at how we started I mean yeah, yeah. yeah. when we started it was a it was a it was a very long growing all the stuff that you do at the beginning at the beginnings all behind the scenes it's not what people well, you, it's all about learning your trade as well isn't yeah. it? it takes time yeah, mm-hmm. teething and all that which I'm sure we've got had a lot of, lot of businesses on that uh, that mm-hmm. would say the same thing yeah. starts Start slow, work your way up, work hard. Not much gets flying starts anyway. Yeah. If you're lucky, you do, I guess. Mm-hmm. A good day was getting out of bed and doing anything creative. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Which is why I, I share your passion for that. So um, has it been therapeutic for you then, this whole journey so far? Or is rewarding a better word? I believe I made the right choice. Just let everybody know. I've decided to. I'm, manu- I'm just manually going to record this next bit um, because we're going to go well, probably over the two hours. But I want to give her a little bit. Of extra yeah, time. of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, just let us know. We're going to be a little bit past two o'clock mm-hmm. just because this is interesting. Mm-hmm. For me, but also now, after almost five years, I can use my experience to help others engage with their own creativity to support the well-being. Great, mm-hmm. absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. That that's a fantastic goal, mm-hmm. um, and I guess that what I'm curious about because I said um, I've 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 um, just to give you get a little bit of background for me. Um, so I used to do a lot of performance and stuff. I did a little bit of improv comedy, a little bit of stand up and whatnot. And one of the things that I've always said that is booming here in the northeast is poetry. Um, I used to um, hang out with a ton of poets, and so I guess my a very very simple question for yourself is why poetry. I have written poetry for over 30 years. Hmm. 
I have recorded my life that way. Mm -hmm. So writing it poetry is a good way of like a bit like a diary of tracking each sort of things that go on in your yeah, life. It, yeah, it um. Just let everybody know. I've decided to. I'm manu I'm just manually going to record this next bit um, because we're going to go we'll probably over the two hours. But I want to give her a little bit. Of extra yeah, time. of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, just let us know. We're going to be a little bit past two o'clock mm -hmm. because this is interesting. For me, but also now, after almost five years, I can use my experience to help others engage with their own creativity to support the well-being. Great, mm -hmm. absolutely, mm -hmm. yeah, that that's a fantastic goal. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess that what I'm curious about, because I said um, I've 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 um, just to give you get a little bit of background for me. Um, so I used to do a lot of performance and stuff. I did a little bit of improv comedy, a little bit of stand up and whatnot. And one of the things that I've always said that is booming here in the northeast is poetry. Um, I used to um, hang out with a ton of poets. And so I guess my a very very simple question for yourself is why poetry? I have written poetry for over 30 years. Oh. I have recorded my life that way. Mm-hmm. So, it, poetry is a good way of, like, a bit like a diary of tracking each sort of things that go on in your Yeah, it, yeah. um... It's it's a good way of like literally uh, quite like psychologically taking it off your shoulders. Mm -hmm. I mean that's what I do with songwriting. Mm -hmm. It's a similar principle as mm -hmm. that um, you know through creativity. You know if you're particularly an emotional writer, mm -hmm. um, just makes you feel better about your situation. Mm -hmm. um, because if you it, the, the as this, the phrase goes, the worst thing you can do is keep it inside. Yeah. Um, you know. So if you, however, you can get it out, as it were, yeah, is um, therapeutic in nature. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah. So just let everybody know that the pauses are because um, as Gail's using a, um, a, a device and um, just because, as I say, usually it's odd for so a radio when show. a friend of mine realized this when I shared some poems with a group, she persuaded me to let her read them. Great. Mm. Yeah. And you've brought with us with your book, um, Lines from an Unfinished Love Song. Is that a collection of poetry of the last 30 years? And Who? Lines from an Unfinished Yeah. Uh, is it, or is it... It's not a collection of the 30 years. It's more recent than that, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, she's just showing for the benefit of the audience right. um, a paragraph, which uh, I think she might I'll be able read to read. Yeah, to so read the poetry... Uh, this is quoting uh, Galias. The poetry in my book records a journey that spans 14 years of my life through a selection of 47 poems. The poems record the journey that began in friendship, moved through love and passion, with the final three years being the years where I had to face loss, grief, depression, and post-traumatic stress disorder, which you've you know, talked about, and the latter, which followed a burglary, triggered the emergence of a traumatic event early in my life. Now, I've read about, I read about that, the burglary in, your, uh, in, in a newspaper article I found online, um, but the community um, gathered around in you, you were able to get the camera back, which was, had been originally stolen. How fascinating. Yeah. I, it's 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 really interesting how like just I'm sitting here and and the the sort of silence is really useful. Um, that was another event. Oh, I see. Uh, okay. Was event. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. 
So I guess um I guess Gail because um you know we we want to be open and I'm just want to ask you this as honestly as I can is just to say like so what was the the incident that it was there an incident about your voice um like um ha- what ended up happening in that sense is whatever you're willing to share obviously As people know, we usually go off air at two o'clock. But as I just said, I'm 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 allowing a little bit of extra yeah. time, which I'm sure Spice are okay with, because we sometimes go over. And I think this is appropriate because obviously yeah, we need Gil uh, give Gil time to answer. Problems with my voice began a year ago when I was mugged leaving work. Okay. Mm. I'm very sorry to hear that, as I'm sure people listening are too. not very the people people who mug people i think are the lowest of the law really um there was a there's a person on the being on the lookout in something because he stole some um he stole the sirens off a police car well my my ptsd was also because of a mugging oh, right. um i think i talked about on your on your pod, when I yeah yeah i'm sure you did yeah, yeah. one yeah. of the probably the one of the first ones you yeah, were on yeah. yeah um yeah i really um I, I, and I, I can I, relate to what a, not only just gill was saying but but mm-hmm. um the guys are working down at grenfell yes you know, the, symptoms all too yeah what was fascinating that she said that they weren't a fan of using the word traumatic i guess because but what i did like about the fact as i said they're not a fan of closure because exactly. I, I i'm not a fan of that either no. it's a bit like people saying getting over grief yeah i really don't think you can get over grief it's like putting um, a lid on it as if to say uh-huh. that that lid can never be unopened again because it's, it's this idea of like you know if someone you, you've lost yeah um, you don't want to like forget them. I, I, why would you want to forget them? It's like it's 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 yeah. forgetting them to in a in a sense of that you're able to cope with it is a much better way of. Um. It was at a point in my therapy when I was dealing with some very difficult events that had come out in therapy that I wasn't aware of. Okay. Mm. Mm-hmm. Which happens a lot. I mean, that's the importance of talking about yeah, things. Because yeah, because in order to move on. When they say closure is not the right word, it's like boxing it. When really acceptance is a better word because it's always going to be there with you when yeah. you, as, as as part of moving on. Really, yeah. I totally get that. Yeah. So the mugging hit me very hard. Yeah. I'm really pleased you had the ability um, to express that. Yeah. That's hard. I think we often there's times when we slay technology at times when we talk about social media or whatever. But in, in this case, it's a good example of how good it can come. You know. Hmm. I lost my voice completely, and then I had serious stuttering problems until the summer. Okay. Hmm. As I say, it's amazing that technology then in that sense can give someone like yourself a good opportunity to actually talk mm-hmm. in the, in this manner because um, I, I remember a lot of these technologies a long time ago never used to work. Um, 
So. But then Pip Assessment took it away again. <laughs> <laughs> and so we back to the circle of what we talk about. Trying to play show. Little Eyes again. Uh, yeah, yeah, Little Eyes, yeah. <laughs> Few Little Eyes. Big Lies. Big, big Lies, yeah, absolutely big, big Eyes, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, yeah, well, um, I'm, well, it's amazing then in that sense because obviously that's such a tra- really traumatic experience to the fact that you end up, you know, essentially being mute, which is is obviously mm. not nice to deal with. But thank God you've got something like that to to express yourself. And poetry is the ultimate expression. Mm. And I guess so. I guess if anything you want to comment in relation to that, um, and also just if you could comment on how people can find out more about Happy Planet, would be a good way of summarizing. Yeah. And I'll happily take your book if you're going to offer it to me. <laughs> Just to say, on Happy Planet, artists get to sell their own um, bits of work, I understand. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So she'll mention it. Mm-hmm. Just on that, um, Lost Voice guy, you know, he won yes. the, he's one of the biggest stand-up guys on the, on the circuit now. I've already got friends who've seen him and yeah. really recommend it, you know. Because yeah. he uh, gets to express himself really well. Yeah, he's on a lot of things. He was on Jonathan Ross's um, uh, Christmas special, mm-hmm. I think. I think that's right. Um, yeah, was well, isn't he from up here? Yeah, I've I've been I've shared a uh, I've shared a, a, a um, comedy set with him uh, oh. yeah many years ago yeah right. when he was first starting out okay because um, uh, there's an interesting story about him that I'll, I don't think I can say say on air but um, okay. not about him um, about someone he used to know um, you know he was not a very nice person um, but yeah um, yeah he, we once did a charity gig, charity gig together okay. many many moons ago mm-hmm. um, for a friend of mine's um, work. Do you think when he when he won that competition, it was a breakthrough moment for like inclusivity? And I hope so. Yeah, yeah. If that's the, yeah. um, and I know he did the Royal Variety performance uh, as well. I am on Instagram as Gail Curry Artist, Great. where I continue to speak about my work and recovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just for the benefit of the audience, the book, she just yeah. pointed to our book, so I'm assuming that means she's going to talk about where you can get it. Um, which I'm fascinated about. Can I? Can you? Um, do, do you mind passing me it, Ricky, yeah. so I can? Um, I can divulge to the audience. Um, so I'm just being. I love the cover. Um, I love the cover, by the way. It's a yeah. kind of kind of cover art I like. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, simple but yet elegant. Yeah. yeah. Lines from an unfinished love song. I love book. I love books and I love, I love book covers. It's been one of my biggest influences. In my way. I love stuff like that. Yeah, it's very nicely printed. Because uh, one of the beautiful things about poetry, um, which we don't have time to talk about now, but um, I would just say as, a, as an aside, is that um, you know I'm flicking through this now, and um, it, it's just uh, the beauty is it's just words. Like there's no faffing yeah. around. It's yeah. like this is just a print. The book of has the... a Facebook page lines from an unfinished love song. When yeah. I continue to talk about my recovery and struggles. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, so Gail Curry artist on Instagram. Um, so yeah, I think if you have more, um, uh, if you have more ans- uh, questions for Gail, I think the best thing is is it Instagram? Is that the best one? Yes. Okay. Um, so yeah. So and it's lines from an unfinished love song, which um, as I say, I'm holding right now and just flicking through. And there's a lot of poems in here, so this is good. It's gonna be good. I'm on Instagram now, so I'm gonna instantly follow you now because I think that's really exciting. yeah. We've got we're on Instagram too, yeah. so we'll follow you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's in the show as well. And I'm, I, I, you might even get a follow off me, even though I don't really use Instagram that much. But we'll still <laughs> I'll make an exception. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thanks, Gil, for coming on. And and um, it's been it's an interesting experiment. And um, and um, I'm so impressed because um. I think the the obvious thing to say is for someone who ends up losing the voice like yourself to be in a situation where you can still express yourself through something yeah. like poetry, yeah. I think is a really powerful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you know it shows that like you know there is stuff you can do i just noticed there there's a poem on oh, no, it's um it's your biography i just saw happy planet and thought it was a po- it was a poem and i was like oh no it's not um but yeah a little biography as well um so yeah um actually it has the website here so i'll mention that as we go um so yeah so gail's website is um happy planet creative arts dot org dot uk um or you can go to the gallery in person uh to discuss Mm-hmm. Um, everything else. Um, can I read this biography just real quick? Real quick? I think it was interesting. I, I'm, I'm born in 1960. I was born in 1964, and has always been innately creative. In my previous career, I worked with children and young people in education and social care settings, built countless gardens, and travelled the world, experiencing different cultures and photographing them. I began working as an artist in 2012. Since Lena's death, I focused my energy in building Happy Planet Creative Arts CIC, a social enterprise based in Whitley Bay. It gave me the structure and purpose I knew I needed when everything felt like it was falling apart. Happy Planet now encourages other people to embrace and explore their creativity to aid their well-being, as well as showcasing and selling other local, local artists' work. This is my first published collection of poetry. I've begun writing my memoir, but I may well paint a few more poems before that is finished. And if you'd like to know more, my website is happyplanetcreativearts.org.uk, or you can visit us. And you can buy and... pieces of work going on to your website. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, Great. Just, just a quick shout-out to our mutual friend, Beth, who put us in touch. Yeah, she deserves a mention. So Great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much, Gail. And um, I shall... Are you, did you, were you being serious that I can have this? Because I will definitely read it. Because <laughs> um, I love poetry. So, um, yeah. And I will promise once I'm finished, I'll give it to Ricky. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I promise that. But yeah, thanks so much, Gail. And, uh, I, and I, as I say, I, I'm, it, I'm immensely impressed and um as as ricky said which might be a really really fun idea is we we should probably think we're, we're thinking about doing more road trip stuff mm-hmm. so if you ever feel like we could come to happy planet to see it we yeah. would love to and maybe ask a few people what their experiences are i think that would be really we're going to be on tour this year i have a feeling yeah i think that's probably <laughs> feels like the next stage like we do one show just completely going to see everybody i might get a, um, i might get to lay out my fantasy of being in a band like feel yeah. like and, we'll just off, the and we'll be off on a friday we'll just be like we'll do all the work and during the week and be like ah friday we're off. It'll be it's all in the can. End up comatose in like Great. hotels or something. Yeah. Um, shall I? Shall thank I quickly? Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much as well, yeah. Gail. It's been a real pleasure. You're welcome to come on um, again anytime. Yeah. Um, I don't know what to put on. I'm trying to continue the game of playing the song that makes sense, yeah. but I, can't, I don't know what to come up with. Um, I think if you pick a random one, I'm sure we'll be able to find some sort yeah. of connection um, somewhere. Okay. <laughs> no, every time I I just think of a random one, I think, oh my god, I don't okay, know what. Gail wants to say something. Okay. It's only it's only words. Brilliant, brilliant. I don't know if it's on. Should I type it in? Yeah. That I no, I've not got the. Um, um, I don't actually know if it's on, but it, it would be hilarious if it was. Was it originally? Um, is it originally? I know Boyzone did it. It was in not originally Bee Gees or something. Yeah, Bee Gees, yeah. Doesn't look like it's on. Yeah, no. I, I can sing it, but I don't want to. It's only words, and words is all I have. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think that's all we can say without being fined. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I'll just find something ra- random, like you say. Um, do, 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 do. This is like the most uh, easy-going end of the show I think we've ever done. <laughs> oh, there we go. We'll just play the winner takes it all by Abba. There you go. It's the first thing that came up that was English. There you go. And you are the winner because you get to go home with a book. Yes. <laughs> I, I, yes, there you go. And I feel... Yeah, totally on tight. And I always feel a winner yeah. doing this show. <laughs> and I hope you guys are too. Yeah, so um, as we end the show, all it leaves me to say is a huge thank you to our guests. So to Holly from uh, the St. Camillus Group, 
um, for talking about the new coffee, new cafe that's opening in Proto. To Nikki Robertson, the previous guest for for Back to Balance, a good friend of the show. She's already going to be back um, next month. So. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about the new workshops and New Year's resolutions. So I hope if you're doing that, anyone who's listening, continue the good work. Um, to Melissa and Richard from Grenfell Hope Project for that amazing interview, talking about all the unbelievable psychological mental health work that they do from the Grenfell Tower fire and the community that surrounds that. Because as they quite rightly said, it wasn't just the tower that was um, that mm. was um, mm. uh, you know. Um, had issues. It was a but, community, know, in a way, a disaster community. in the community yes, d- that, demanded okay. a community response, and that's yes. what they're doing. And obviously, the very lovely Gail, who's just been sitting talking to us now, um, with Happy Planet and Whitley Bay, which is an organization. Um, so go and check that out, as we mentioned the websites earlier. All leaves me to say is thanks so much for tuning in to Mentally Sound. We've been a little bit longer than t- two, 2 o'clock, and sure, um, Spice don't mind. And we're going to play the Winner Takes Law by ABBA to end. And all leaves me to say is thank you so much. Um, keep having a good mental health um, for 2019 and we will see you in two weeks time thanks guys take care bye